you don't get to know about the redhead. Well, you don't want to talk about ex past ex girlfriends doing inappropriate things in movie theaters. Ex girlfriends. I think I went out with her four times. She was just a pretty redhead. I went out with on Tinder a couple times. You know what I mean? <laughs> These things happen. Ships passing in the night, as it were. <laughs> Let's leave that there for a minute and welcome That's our fine. listeners back to Dance Robot Dance. This is the 274th episode of our weekly podcast where we discuss all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe for work point of view. I'm Tim coming to you from Toronto, Ontario for this week, hosting this episode, and I've got Mark coming from St. Catherine. What up, party people? <laughs> yeah, how was your week? How you been? I mean, well, we had a little incident on Friday, which kind of took the energy out of my weekend a little bit, but other than that, it was all right. I mean, I've just been doing that Inktober stuff and like working, so yeah. that's been about it the last little while. Yeah, I had another busy-ass week. Like, I... One thing I'll say for my uh, Geek of the Week, but like on Thursday night, I went and did a an evening with Bob Gurr, who's like a Dis- like an old Disney Imagineer, like he's like 90 years old and he was doing, it was at the, uh, have you been to the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum in Hamilton? That's where they do uh, Hamilton Comic Con. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big space. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Go it's a cool space to do the, the Comic Con in too, because they yeah. get to go look at the planes and shit and you get to also, you know, do nerdy stuff. That's where I met, uh. What's his name was there? I met um, Candyman there. Oh, okay. Tony Todd? Oh, Tony Todd? Yeah, Tony Todd nice. was at Hamilton Comic Con. One of the years we were there and was up at that place. Yeah, Yeah. so one of the reasons that, that he agreed to do it there was because like he's a big vehicle sort of nerd. Like He like knows a lot about like old planes and, and especially old cars and stuff like that. And that was a lot of what he did for Disney was designing like ride vehicles. Okay, cool. Stuff like that. So he's designed some of like the really iconic ride vehicles for the parks and stuff. And so, yeah, it was a really fun night. It was me and Alicia and uh, my sister and husband all went to that. And it's cool too. Like during the intermission, you could like walk around. They had some of the Dawson's there. So you could like talk about the planes and shit. Cause there's a Lancaster in there, which is what my grandfather flew in in World War II as a navigator and was shot down over Germany in. And then he actually got to fly in the one that they have a few years before he died like in like the late 2000s kind of thing okay um, cool yeah so, that's deep yeah it was the and then last night <laughs> it's a deep building i like that building so yeah and then friday night i went to see our media of the episode and then i had something saturday night as well so yeah weird getting out and doing stuff on a semi-regular basis again yes <laughs> yeah so let's get into the news for the week because there was a good amount of stuff that happened dc fandom happened last weekend and a bunch of stuff and trailers and stuff came out of that i'm going to get into the heavy news first which is kind of what everybody has been talking about in entertainment the past few days which is alec baldwin killed a woman on a set well in an accident it's an interesting way to headline it yeah there was an accident yeah. on the set but, yeah there uh, was an accident on the set of this western movie that they were filming called rust and uh, unfortunately, the cinematographer got shot by a prop gun that was supposed to be full of blanks, but apparently was not. And yeah, so also the director also got wounded. Yeah, it was injured. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of those things that should never happen, but unfortunately seems to like once every 10 or 20 years or something like that. And like, yeah, I immediately started thinking about Brandon Lee again. Like oh, yeah. when that, when I heard that story, I was like, Oh man, that's the crow again. Right. Like I thought we learned our fucking lesson when that happened. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. Like somebody's fucking head's going to roll for that. Guy was supposed to be Neo. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was a time when that guy was going to be like the next big fucking rock star or like big mm-hmm. movie star. And like, that got cut short. Was like, well, there have been a bunch of people that have been coming out and saying that, uh, that the, the woman that uh, died, Helena Hutchins was like sort of an up pretty up and coming. 
yeah uh, cinematographer as well and so i heard big, her name getting kind of bandied about before that so yeah it's like it's sad when this kind of stuff happens and like man i i fuck did they not teach gun handling techniques in the states for like everybody this shit why are they not teaching there's so many guns in the states why is this not taught in high school like to clear and chamber a fucking i know i'm a canadian from southern ontario and i know when i pick up a handgun you know check and clear it right like that's yeah. it's part of the procedure they teach you in when you go to a shooting range and stuff yeah. like it wasn't wasn't supposed to be loaded at all apparently apparently it wasn't even supposed to be loaded with with blanks it was like yeah. just supposed to be completely empty and it wasn't so i mean the other thing one is like in the u.s it's just fucking like live guns and ammunition are everywhere right so i guess that just increases the odds that you know somebody's gonna mistakenly load a, a fucking gun with a live round but the other thing that you know does sort of indirectly tie into all this is that IATSE strike, you know, like it's, it's also a matter of working conditions, right? Like if yeah. there was some stuff that came out after the fact that this production had been, well, there was too, right? There's lots of, yeah, and, there was lots of yeah. stories after that, like the production itself was like there, the crew was walking off and like, yeah, like saying that it was unsafe and like the prop handling and stunt stuff was unsafe and all this other shit. And I'm like, well, I mean, proof's in the pudding, right? Like somebody sadly fucking lost their life at the, prove the point i guess so like it's i don't know that's what those fucking strikes are about a lot of the time is just like you know poor working conditions like you're working too many hours you make a mistake yeah you exactly. kill somebody you know what i mean like yeah. it's like that's the kind of shit that like they're trying to avoid by having these strikes and getting better working conditions so like yeah your entertainment our entertainment i guess is not worth somebody fucking dying for i guess is what the long and short of it is right like yeah this lady should not be dead because somebody like alec ball somebody wanted to watch an alec baldwin movie like Nobody wants to watch an Alec Baldwin movie that bad, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. And Um, then it said this IATSE like strike agreement is still going on. They did the, the union did reach a deal with the studios, but it has not been ratified by the, by the members of the union yet. And uh, some of the people that I know that are part of the union are not crazy about the deal that was reached. So it's sort of uncertain whether, you know, whether they will actually end up ratifying that deal or whether they'll push their union to go back for, for more. Yeah. The Toronto, like everybody who works in the Toronto film scene is kind of like they're, they're paying attention to it because it will affect their contract negotiations. And I'm hearing similar things from friends of mine that are in, in in the Toronto film industry right now, or like, yeah, we need the shit that like ours are better already because of Canada basically, but there's Mm -hmm. still, you know, things that can be improved. Uh, especially in the working hours end of things like they still do like just ungodly hours to get these films oh, made yeah. on short yeah, like schedules 14, and stuff hour days and then Fuck. like you've got to be if like, you're lucky you know what set, I mean? like you know eight or nine hours later or some yeah. shit kind of thing like if you're getting eight hours away from the set like you're you're lucky in a lot of cases which is just like fuck that <laughs> like i stopped working at offices because they wanted me to be there for 10 hours i was like you know what fuck you i got shit to do <laughs> yeah. i if you're going to let me work four days a week, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I could freelance and make more money than this now. You know what I mean? Like, that, that was that was a decision I got to make as doing what I do, I guess. But yeah. not everybody gets to make that decision. So let's see. We did have, like I said, a bunch of stuff that came out of DC Fandom. I think the biggest one was that we got a full trailer for Matt Reeves' The Batman with Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, yeah. And, Unrecognizable, and as we've mentioned a number of yeah. times. I think everybody keeps mentioning it. Like, he just looks... I like that he's that guy who's just like, I'm so handsome, but, like, oh, I'm going to get this role, and I'm going to completely disappear into it. You're not even going to know I'm yeah. under all that shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that. good for him, I guess. Like, I kind of respect that as an artiste, I guess. Like, yeah. that he's willing to do go that far, put on that weight, 
like be made to look just disgusting so that he can play the fucking penguin in a what looks like a very emo like this was this is the batman movie that would have made like 19 year old mark very happy you know what i mean like it just looks really violent and dark and i'm like eh, now now i want a detective story i don't want that anymore well that that was one of the things that matt reeves said and i wonder if they're just playing it down in the trailers just to I kind so. of you know get people because because i remember him saying that you know it was going to be more like noir detective-y kind of thing so i wonder if there is going to be more of that but you know trailer so they just want to show yeah. big crazy action pieces yeah it really just looked like another nolan movie the way they yeah. shot these trailers it, right it looked like, 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 like the dark knight yeah, yeah like yeah. a low te- lo-fi kind of nolan movie right like batman that didn't doesn't have all the crazy yeah it looked like too. if you did begins without having the uh like the wing tech stuff involved yeah. you know what i mean like it, it yeah, without <laughs> lucius fox <laughs> yeah exactly right without lucius and i'm like and fine i still hate that the fucking cowl in this like i don't like the bat suit mm-hmm. like i'm already at that point where i'm like okay now i've seen it enough that i'm like i don't like it <laughs> they've never done it right though like well, that, well that's a conversation to have at some point is like the actual bat suit have they ever gotten it right in live action and i'm going to argue no they have none yeah. and they're still need to work it's on a tough it. One to, it's a tough one to translate into live. Action. It is. Yeah. It is. It really is. But like, they've had so many opportunities and I, and like, I'm real picky about it, but I feel like they've never quite nailed it. I will give them Zoe Kravitz looks like Selena Kyle. Like she's going to be a superstar oh, yeah. off the back of this movie. She looks like she's yeah. going to rock it. So, all right, whatever. Cool. Yeah. Like when the movie comes out in March, like that's much sooner than I thought it was. So yeah. that's kind of, yeah. we'll look at to see it pretty soon. Something like that. No, yeah. No. We also got a trailer for the Peacemaker HBO Max series, which looks just... This is my jam. Time. This is what yeah. I want. Give me this. I want more of this, less of everything else. I love that it's not like that they are, you know, showing like that he's, you know, he's a big fucking lug. I mean, basically the movie, you could tell like he's a big fucking lug like and, and yeah. like meathead, but he's also like a goof and, yeah. and like everybody around him is calling him out for that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just on board for John Cena at this point. Like he killed me in that movie. He kills me. Like every time he shows up in a movie and this is a guy I used to fucking hate, but like when his music hit on raw, I'd be like, ah, fucking flip it. I can't stand this kitty horse shit. John Cena nonsense. But now he shows up in these movies. Funniest motherfucker going like he might not end up being like as big as the rock, but like he's going to do a lot of fucking good business for himself. I think it's really funny. Like, what do you like 20 years ago you'd hear somebody be like oh this wrestler's trying to become an actor and like w- like who did it work for hulk hogan kind of right not even really <laughs> like that's what i mean like not even really now there's three massive stars that are all right out of wwe uh because you've got like batista in batista. i mean he's in our meet of the episode yep. he's in the bond movie he was yep. in fucking blade runner you got cena running around doing dc movies and i could segue yeah. directly into the great yeah. one because black adam trailer finally 10 years fucking later it wasn't even it wasn't like a full trailer it was like sort of a, a little first looky kind of thing and then yeah. it had like the the end tag of it was like a minute of like just looked like just footage from the movie but we did actually get to see the rock himself in that costume and everything fucking kicking ass and yeah looks good my boy looks good in that outfit so i don't know i'm on yeah. board I just think it's funny. DC's just going to hire all these because like Warner's really employing all three of those guys right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. With Batista being yeah. in Dune and then like uh, Dwayne and uh, Cena working for DC right now yeah. like crazy. That's and then, me a lot. Yeah, Black Adam is next summer. July 29th yeah. is when it's scheduled for right now. Um, And like it looks like they're doing a lot of Justice Society stuff because they've got like Dr. Fate and yeah, I think Pierce Brosnan's going to be so good. So I forgot good. Pierce Brosnan is in it. He's so great. Like old Dr. Fate. Yeah. Yep. 
I still want him to do like bad old Bond. Like do old Bond with Pierce Brosnan. Just get it, <laughs> let's get it done before he's too old. Geriatric you know? Bond. Ah, he's what in the sixties? You know, you can be a classy gentleman spy in your sixties, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Roger Moore did it in the Bond movies. That's true. It's true. So, there you go. We also got an announcement that Doom Patrol is coming back for a fourth season uh, during DC Fandom. I have not started watching the third season yet. I'm it's good. On it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I've heard excellent things though, so I'm trade waiting it. Basically, I'll, I'll binge it when it's done. I love yeah. that show. That's like DC's like weird dark horse like. Mm-hmm. it's almost the one you don't want them to ever talk about it's like just keep making it but shut the fuck up about it don't tell anybody about it i don't want everybody yeah, exactly. to know about it i just want everybody to keep making that, it. like if an executive finds out like wait we're giving you money to make this it'll be like, yeah no it's we'll gone it's over yeah absolutely <laughs> and that's why that's what i mean like stop fucking telling people about it because i don't want anybody anybody else needs <laughs> nobody else needs to watch until the show's done you know what i mean it's got enough audience they keep making seasons great shut up about it just keep making this awesome show so yeah yeah looking forward to season three and i'm super happy they're getting a season four the other sort of big i don't know paradigm shift kind of thing if you want to call it that that came out of dc fandom was that they are changing superman's motto from being truth justice in the american way to truth justice and a better tomorrow which i'm fine with because really who the fuck wants to fight for the american way these days (laughs) Not me, I can tell you that much. Especially, you know what? He was half created by a Canadian, so that model was horse shit from the beginning. It's one of ours, god damn it. It was also, I think that only came about... It was a TV show. It was one of the serials, I think. I think it was like the 60s or something like that. Like, it's not like, you know, there are people that are obviously fucking upset about this because they want to fucking whine about something, and they're saying, like, this has been around, like, forever, but, yeah, it hasn't actually been used for that long, so... Tell them if they really like they really want to stick to like it's been around forever. Like Superman can't fly if we go back to the original shit. It's so true. like and you know he kills mean? fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I mean both Batman and Superman fucking brutally murder people in the original comics. So like whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with it. Do what you got to do. Like the American Dream's dead, guys. So like get over it. It's cool. Yeah. Speaking of the the American Dream, I guess this that kind of spins into our next one. Uh, why the last man got canceled by FX? There, it sounds like they're gonna try and you know maybe shop it around and and get a second season made somewhere else. But I don't know. I was I was interested in the show, but I haven't started watching it yet just because I've been fucking saturated. Like I just don't have space for it. Uh, I started watching it. I was about I was up to date on it uh, when they announced the cancellation. So I was at episode seven, I think, or whatever. I it was fine. It like it feels like a good big budget like cable show kind of thing mm-hmm. i it just i don't know if it did enough to stand out from all the other big budget sci-fi cable shows that yeah, are going on I, right I, now i think we're just really hitting that saturation point now we really are like i can't watch even like the the marvel stuff that's coming out i'm like all right like hawkeye yeah absolutely but like miss marvel i don't know like how like when do i draw the even i draw the line well, on the like, marvel shit you know or any of the any of the marvel stuff that's not coming out on disney plus right like the hulu yeah. stuff and that kind of mm-hmm. thing like runaways fucking died off yep. uh netflix yeah was it shadow and dagger or whatever oh, and dagger. yeah like that fucking like died off like so much of that stuff is just like i mean fucking modok like that 
Oh, nobody yeah. even remembers that existed now, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, the only thing anybody ever seems to remember is fucking Daredevil. It's the only thing anybody ever brings up about the old shows. It's like, oh, bring Daredevil back. It's the only one we care about. Everybody's like, Cloak and Dagger? What? What are you talking Daredevil, about? And then there's like Kristen Ritter out there being like, I want to fucking play Jessica Jones. Well, I mean, like, we, and we want her to play Jessica Jones again also. We just like, it was too, like, we had one good season of that show and then two dog shit seasons of that set show. So it'd be nice. Like, I have no problem bringing her back, but like, not with that writing staff. You know what I mean? Bring the Daredevil writing staff back. Those motherfuckers knew how to write Daredevil, but like, everybody else that was involved in that. Yeah, sorry. But like Christian Ritter, yeah, absolutely. Although even then, they're probably going to want to cast them all at 23 now. Like, they all want to be Tom Holland age because they got to interact with fucking Spider-Man who looks like he's... Did you see the Uncharted trailer? No, did I you didn't. put that, that in your... That, that was on my list, but I, I didn't okay. actually watch it because I'm not going to fucking watch this. He still, looks, he still looks like he's too young. Like, to be like... To, for me to take him seriously as like a grown adult, like, was action. supposed to be like a young Nathan Drake, though? Isn't yeah, that... but even then, he still looks like he's in high school. Tom Holland himself. And I, like... Not to besmirch the guy, but he looks like a child, like in the face, you know, <laughs> like he could be as jacked and ripped as he wants, but like in the face, he looks like a kid. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I'm really up in the air on that Uncharted movie because it's also got Mark Wahlberg in it, who I just, I fucking hate. He Mark did such Wahlberg. great things in the, with the Transformers movies, Mark, that you love. Yep. 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 <laughs> Let's see. The other kind of last bit of DC news that I had was that uh, Ruby Rose sort of went all over DC about uh, their experience on the Batwoman TV show. And uh, yeah, basically highlighted a lot of really shitty working conditions and like fucking like dirty old men production or people and stuff like that. And yeah, did not look good. For, yeah, for it's, and it's DC, really weird because it's like people. <laughs> I've never heard any. I've no. I know people who work on those shows, and I've never heard anything about anything on. But this, I like the people I know have worked on other shows. Like they've worked on, okay. they worked with Kev on Supergirl. They worked with like on the Flash. They've never. They nobody's. Maybe it's just at the point where like that production staff is so fucking threadbare because they're doing sixty eight fucking shows a year that they're hiring like, whoever the fuck. And like by the time you get to Batwoman, you're eight shows in, so they're getting like the real dregs of the production teams, and maybe it just fuck didn't work. I don't know. Yeah, her like her story sounded fucking harrowing. There was a story from somebody on the on the crew that came back and was like, no, she was just like she wanted everything her way and wouldn't listen to anybody and was like a little yeah. dictator on set. And I'm like, ooh, fuck, I don't know who to believe anymore. Which I mean, I fine, her. that doesn't that doesn't yeah. negate that fucking set ha- did have a lot of injuries badly on that back. set yeah she yeah fucked like up she's back bad and or i said i should say they fucked up their back bad and a number of other people on that yeah. set had like uh serious injuries and in, in stunt work and shit like that and all for all for a show that like neither of us even watch you know what i mean you watch that show? the first season i have not started the second yet i couldn't even get into the first season like it, it looked so cheap like that was the worst looking one of the bunch of those shows and those are not good looking shows most of the time that should look like shit from episode one and i was just like no i can't do this like i'm, I'm at such i was at saturation point with those cw shows anyway Mm-hmm. Like I was getting sick of them all at that point, but like I started watching, I was like, no, this looks like it looked like birds of prey, like that old, not the movie, like that old show. Yeah. Like it looked cheap like that. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Especially now with Batwoman. Batwoman's a character I actually really like, and they should have done a movie with her. That costume is so fucking good. That should be in like big screen kind of stuff. But like yeah. doing the cheap fucking CW version of it, I was like, this sucks. Yeah, this the, sucks. Know, red wig and everything. Yeah. It just wasn't. Yeah. Fuck that. I felt bad for her. Like she really wanted to yeah. play that character and like she got hurt so badly because of it. And like, I don't know. 
I don't know. She was good in John Wick. <laughs> she was good in like she was good in that first episode that I watched of it. But you know, the rest of the like the production just let her down really bad too. I'm pretty sure Ruby Rose uses they them pronouns now. Actually, no, oh, sorry, they. Whatever. It's hard to. Hard it's to. hard to know. I don't know. I don't keep track of everybody. <laughs> I don't have a list in front of me with everybody's pronouns. Sadly, this is true. no. I'm just saying. Right. I, the, yeah, the article they, that I just wrote uh, suggested that. So. Either way, I, mean, I think um, I remember something about that. I think I do too. I think I remember that from the John Wick days. You know what I mean? Her prefer or them. How do you even say it at that point? Them they, preferring, yeah. Um, but going over to the Disney side of the aisle, we got a big piece of news about the live-action Ahsoka series, which is that Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin Skywalker and then Darth Vader, just very brief, briefly Darth Vader. <laughs> is going to be coming back to that live action Ahsoka series. Nobody knows yet if it's going to be like flashback kind of stuff, if it's going to be as a force ghost or what, but I I'm excited for him. You know, he obviously got put in some movies that are often maligned and, you know, podcast the- every time they come up. Absolutely. Yeah. Fuck those movies. And, They're and, terrible. And, and I, and I'm happy to admit that a lot of, yeah, I mean, the a lot of the writing that he got was just oh. not good. Like dialogue oh. that was was really rough because oh, those movies, fucking, like, the writing Lucas write way more than they should have. But so I'm I'm excited for him to get another kick at the can and you know get a chance to hopefully do some work with that character with better writing. He did actually get some get to do some work in Clone Wars that was really good. So if anything, yeah, watched, especially right? last, yeah, especially if you watch that last season of Clone Wars, I, I'm pretty sure they did bring back Hayden Christensen to voice some of that, and uh, and it was there's some good character work in there. This is a Filoni show, right? I believe I, I'm not sure if he is what level of an yeah. Dave Dave Filoni is writing it, and he is executive producing it with John Favreau. Then I'm on board. That's all you got to tell me. The Star Wars, I just need to hear Filoni's involved. If Fabs and Filoni are there, it sounds like a like a some kind of Italian sausage meat. I think Filoni. <laughs> but like if you go <laughs> Yeah, Fabs and Filoni, if those two guys are on it, I'll watch it. You know what I mean? With Star Wars. Everything else, I'm like, whatever. But like yeah. you put the good guys on there, I'm fucking in. So yeah. it's good Fabs to go over to fucking CBS and write some Star Trek for me. <laughs> Disney and Marvel took the sort of opportunity of all the stuff that came out for DC fandom, and then like the day after we're like by the way, we're delaying some movies. Hope you don't notice. <laughs> Usually they come out with something that fucking stops DC's party. They've habitually done been very, very quick to be like, oh, okay, DC's going to do fandom. Well, here's the fucking Endgame trailer the next day so that everybody completely forgets about any of the DC horse shit. This time they were like, you know what we could do? We got to shuffle the fucking schedule around. While everybody's hyped up about all this Batman nonsense, let's go yeah. shuffle that schedule around. And nobody noticed, except for us, because here we are. Yeah, so Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which was supposed to come out in April next year, got pushed to May next year. Thor Love and Thunder got pushed back two months from May until... So Doctor Strange basically got pushed into Thor's spot. Thor got pushed to July 8th, which was previously Black Panther Wakanda Forever spot. It is now pushed to November 11th. I don't know what if it... Oh, uh, which was the Marvel spot. And the Marvels got pushed to... February 23, which was Ant-Man and the Wasp spot. Ant-Man and the Wasp got moved to July 2023, which was uh, the spot of like an untitled like movie that hadn't been announced. Um, And they just removed sort of a few other like basically everything else. They kind of just removed from the schedule for now. Everything else was just like untitled Marvel kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
one of those at the far end of that list is supposed to be Fantastic Four, but we'll see. Yeah. And the other thing that they pushed back was uh, Indiana Jones 5 got pushed back almost a year from July 2022 to June 2023. Is he even going to still be alive when they <laughs> fucking shoot this movie? Like, I, I feel bad for saying it, but like, holy shit, like he's getting up there in years. Like, I don't want to hear about like Harrison Ford dying on the Indiana Jones set. <laughs> Like that'll bum he me already, out. He already got fucking hurt on the Star Wars movies. Like a He's, he got hurt shooting this one already, from what I understand. Like he had already had oh, an yeah, injury on this one. Remember? Yeah. Like we talked about it, and I'm like, come on, man! These this dude's in his 80s. Like you can't be doing Indiana Jones shit in your 80s anymore. He's 79 right now. It's like that fucking that, that new like that last what was that movie that came out the Clint, the Clint Eastwood movie that just came out not too long ago where he's like 90 and still trying to be an action hero. And I'm like. Are you fucking kidding me? My dog bumping into you causes a broken hip and you're done for the day. You know what I mean? Like, and by the day, I mean like your life. Cause you're 92 or whatever. I don't know, man. Like some of these old dudes just got to like walk away, walk away. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I guess, kind of walking away, Spider-Man, uh, Tom Holland f- has said of Spider-Man, no way home that it will basically be a conclusion to the trilogy of Spider-Man movies that he has been part of. That's not to say that there might not ever be another Tom Holland focused Spider-Man movie again, but that it will sort of have a separate story arc and that this is going to kind of close off this part of the character's journey or whatever. That's fine. That's like the introduction to the Marvel universe for Spider-Man. Yeah. And you've done your three movies. Now he's part of it and he's in there yeah, and good. Now we can and, yeah, bomb around in some of the other movies and shit. And yeah. Do some guest spots in like Avengers five. You know what I mean? Like he's, you know, he's going to show up in Avengers five whenever that happens. I bet you like one of those unannounced movies on the end of that list is also probably like Avengers five and they just haven't really said it yet. Right. So like, yeah, he's, he'll show up in that and then he'll decide whether he wants to play Spider-Man for another 10 years and do another three movies. Like that's up to him. Right. Like you know, it's either that or they recast if they want to keep going. And like, Spider-Man at this point is James Bond. You're gonna, we're gonna see, even in what's left of our lifetimes, we'll see five more Spider-Man in on the big screen before we die. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they'll keep, yeah, they'll keep flipping people, new people under that mask every ten Who knows, years. They might give us like this, this fucking weird movie with multiverse shit going on. They might give us like three new Spider-Man just in this fucking movie. I'm the, my big thing. Uh, everybody's talking about like how the the old Spider-Man and like the like the old villains. Yeah. Like that's the big secret or like that's the secret that Marvel's allowed to get out so far. I've, mm-hmm. I've heard that the, there's an even bigger re- reveal in this movie that they're introducing character, like bigger characters for further down the line, like miles and Gwen kind of thing, like getting the other spiders active in the MCU, which like for me as a Spidey guy, like, yeah, get all the spiders. Give me all the fucking spiders. Give them all now. We've already got that spider woman movie that was announced, but that's a Sony one, right? But even then, that's Jessica Drew. There's a Silk one, too. Yep. That's what I mean. Silk's out there to do also. Like, that, you could use Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. Like, she's still out there to do. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Spider-Gwen. Like, Miles is the big one for me. Like, get Miles. Mm -hmm. Like, get him out there. I want my Spider-Man movie. Like, you know, Spider-Men. The two of them. And I don't want no Toby horse shit. None of this bullshit. I want... We we need a Ben Riley. I don't want... Pump the brakes, motherfucker. Like, let's get, let's get Miles first, then we can worry about Ben Riley. Yeah, he's back in the comics, and even like even now, I'm like, oh, why are we doing this? I read the first couple of issues, and I was like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. Anyway. But no, that's the, yeah, so, like, the Spider-Man stuff, I'm, it sounds like they're gonna, they want to get Miles in there, which, get fucking Miles in there as fast as possible. Yeah. 
And speaking of saturation, the series that everybody forgot about, that Hitmonkey animated series, it's coming to Hulu, which is another fucking Marvel thing. Got a trailer. I didn't watch it. Did you? I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't no. even notice the news story. Is that one of the Hulu ones? That's one of the Hulu ones, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's one of the Hulu ones. It's like that story my mom posted about Howard the Duck. I think that was a, one of those Hulu shows, too. Because that was the one Kevin Smith was going to do, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's, yeah, that's the one. that I, Well, it's like rumored. It hasn't actually been announced, I don't think. But people yeah, are well. talking about it because he showed up in uh, What If. Uh, yes. People are thinking, right. like, oh, maybe they're going to try and backdoor that. And ugh. If it's more like the comic and less like the movie, then, like... He's still going to be a hard sell for me because that movie really like that movie sucks. Like, and it really making watching it for the podcast scarred me. I think. All right, uh, that is all the news I had. Did I miss anything, Mark? Uh, I don't think there's anything. Okay, you know what? We're good. We can get right. on with this. We can move on to our meat of the episode. Nope, not meat of the episode. Maybe we can skip right to meat of the episode if you want. That's fine. <laughs> we'll get out of here fast. Move on to our geek of the week. Which is a segment of the podcast where we each discuss the nerdiest thing we've done in the last week or so. So, Mark, what is your Geek of the Week? I have continued my Inktober stuff. I'm actually into, like, really nerdy stuff right now. Like, today I posted, like, R2-D2 and shit. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there's always that. Go follow me on Instagram. And then I beat Metroid Dread for the first time this week. It is as good as I was hoping it would be. So, nice. yeah, that was kind of it. It's, it's either I'm drawing or working or doing whatever. Metroiding? Or play yeah, play Metroid right now. So like that's basically <laughs> been it for the last couple of days. Yeah, the uh, Metroid's really good. You have a Switch, go buy it. You should try it. You probably never played any of the other ones either. So no, I said we've had this discussion. The yeah, only Metroid I played is the Game Boy one. Yeah, which and even that, I got stuck at one point. Like I couldn't finish it because there was like one object that I could never find. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that story is very common with Metroid Two. Played through that on the original Game Boy back in the day too. So. I still have it. I'm sure now I can, you know, look up a walkthrough and find how to get the one fucking thing that I ha- don't have. I play the remake on 3DS. It was a lot better. Just Metroid and drawing. So, like, go follow me on Instagram, MT underscore Ballette, and then go buy Metroid because it's dope. All right. My Geek of the Week was I got to play another tabletop RPG, although it was online again. So, it wasn't really tabletop. Uh, but. Well, you were in front of a table, I'm assuming, playing. I was a, a desk, de- desktop, I guess. A desk is still a table, technically. So it was, uh, I was playing in this case with Keith Garrett, who DM'd our Star Trek Adventures episode that we did a few months back now. His wife, for his birthday, actually bought him a session with like a professional GM from a company called uh, Table Tale Games. And uh, they invited me to be part of it. It was like Halloween themed. It was, the game was called Monster of the Week. It's like very like Buffy supernaturally kind of feel like, you know, there's sort of a mystery and a, and a being or creature or whatever that you have to find and defeat or subdue or whatever. I mean, it was like, it took place mostly in a corn maze. I played Horvax the Rebuilt. I was a cyborg, a mystically reanimated cyborg that was a descendant of Keith's character who was a, uh, a Puritan uh, witch hunter that had been thrust forward in time to the modern day. And I was just like, they're waiting for him. Like the guild of, of witch hunters had created me out of the corpse of one of his descendants to just be there, like to help him kind of thing. So it was a lot of fun. We had, we had a good time with it. Good. Yeah. That sounds like it would be entertaining. Yeah, it was, it was. Did you get killed by a vampire slayer or something? No, it did. I did not. No, nobody. One person died. Like one person, 
Uh, there was like a just sort of like a human like tagalongy kind of character, like one of the player characters that sacrificed themselves for their love interest. Okay. Like they had like what that was one of their like special moves was that they could like sacrifice like all of their health basically to like help another player like in a tough situation kind of thing. Sure. So, okay. Yeah. So there what there was an actual death, but it was only like a one shot. So like everybody's like, yeah, whatever. Died fine. Yeah. So, Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. All right. So with that, we can move on to our meat of the episode. Sandy spicy meat. Because we are finally getting to talk about Dune, or Dune Part 1, I guess I should kind of say. The Denis Villeneuve... The balls on Denis Villeneuve for sneaking that Part 1 right at the top of the movie. I gotta tell you, like, the balls. There were literally people that were sitting near me that, like, at the end were saying, like, oh yeah, I didn't realize until, like, a couple of days ago that this was only the first half of of the story. I had to actually, like, explain it to a couple on the way out of the theater when I went and saw it myself. (laughs) yesterday this is tricksy like all of the promotional like unless you were you know following the production you know, like, <laughs> or you know what dune is yeah see or know what dune is but like if you just were like hey this movie looks interesting and like just saw the poster or whatever let's go see that or, or you'd seen a trailer well even if you were just like i really oh i like denny villeneuve because i really liked blade runner or yeah sicario or arrival or whatever one of his other movies that he's done you're like i'll go see his new one because like everybody's talking about this dune thing and you sit down for this three-hour fucking opus and then there's like oh it's only the first half of it <laughs> what what i had a couple people comment on that this weekend so far people have been like wait like because i'm everybody's sci-fi friend right you know what i mean like i'm that yeah. guy right like i do this podcast so everybody's like mark does this shit he's probably already seen the movie I get these text messages from people being like, this is only part one of this horse shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm agreeing with you on the horse shit part of it, too. So there we go. Uh-oh. She probably should have told us that it was going to be that. And then also not made the first hour and like 15 minutes of this movie so glacially paced that a second part of the movie sounds awful to me at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's rock and roll. All right. So, yeah, like I said, this movie, I've, this is one of the movies I've been looking forward to most for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, cannot stop screaming himself for this fucking movie. Like, it's just, yeah. it's getting embarrassing almost. I'm glad we finally saw it. <laughs> it was, you know, just torturous that it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. But I am glad that when I did get to see it, it was, it was finally on a nice big screen and everything. So, directed by Denis Villeneuve, uh, starring Timothy or Timothy? Timothy. I'm not sure how he actually pronounced it. Uh, shall I don't really care. As Paul Atreides, uh, Rebecca Ferguson as the late Lady Jessica, Oscar Isaac as Dublado Atreides, Josh Brolin also as... Oscar Isaac's beard, who uh, should yes. get its own fucking he, credit he in this movie. Credit, yeah, yeah, because sure. <laughs> that beard is magnificent. Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck, Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen, Dave Bautista as I can't remember, I can never remember that character's name, Raven, yeah, Her- uh, Harkonnen. Zendaya's in there, Charlotte Rampling's in there, Jason Momoa's in there. Zendaya's in there, because like, her little bit at the, the opening part of the movie is six of her 32 seconds in the movie is like right at the top. Ch- Chani is not that much of a, or Chani no, is, is, isn't that much of a character, but they really... Yeah, like they she really was fucking Spider-Man, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So before we start talking about it too much, Mark, can you tell me the plot of Dune? No. Can anybody tell anybody the plot of Dune ever? <laughs> this is a dense plot. <laughs> this this book's been around since 1965, and people still can't explain the fucking plot of this book most of the time. <laughs> yeah, so in uh, 10191 AG, which I had to do a whole bunch of research to find out, was also about 5,000 years after 
they discover warp drive or whatever they call their FTL. I'll just call it warp drive because I'm a Star Trek nerd mm-hmm. and that's my shorthand for it. So it's not even like these are humans, but like 15,000 years down the road, basically. Yeah. This Duke, Duke Leto, who is Oscar Isaac in the movie of House Atreides, he's the ruler or he's the, the Duke of Kaladin, which is yep. an ocean planet. He is assigned by the emperor, who we never see, to take over. I'm going to use all the horse hor- shitty like medieval words that they use in the book and movie to, <laughs> to, to, have to explain afterwards. He is ordered to take over Arrakis as the Fife ruler, because it, everything is a fiefdom in this in Dune, which is a desert planet. And it's the only place where you can get the spice or like, I think it's melange in the book. They call it more. Yeah. And which is a, a, a special substance that is basically the ultimate crack cocaine of the universe. <laughs> it's also what allows faster than light travel to happen, which is interesting and horseshit, but like, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so the spice, what, the people on Arrakis use the spice forest to extend their lives and like kind of it enables them to live in the desert basically. Cause it's a giant desert planet. And then the people who use it, who are interstellar, like the Atreides or like the emperor's people and all that kind of stuff, they use it to uh, navigate space. Like they use it for interstellar yeah, travel. Navigators use it to like heighten their awareness so that they can plot safe travel like through space. Brought my first question. Like I remember reading this and being like, so how did they get there? In the first place, it was very perilous. I'm guessing. No, what happened was like there's a there's a backstory where they had AI that could do these things because like every other space franchise, you use a computer to your hyper jump, right? Yeah. Battlestar, Star Wars, Star Trek, the computer does most of the work. Well, Battlestar, they they had like the org like the well, they didn't have somebody do it, but like if you were in on like a a good ship, like on the Pegasus, they had the computer just did it. Like yeah. They did it by hand on Battlestar because that ship was locked down for the war. Like the newer ships had computers that did the jumps for them later on. Yeah. Like the Cylons used computers to do the jumps, right? And what I'm saying is generally you'd use a computer to do the calculations for hyperspeed jumps because a computer's not going to make a mistake like a human will. Because humans are dumb. But <laughs> not if you're on the spice, apparently. Cool. Yeah. Either way, so yeah. They where where were we? We haven't even got into the plot yet, and I'm already picking it apart. Because that's what I'm going to do. Because I realized when I was watching this, that there's a bunch of plot holes in this story. And I'm really annoyed by them. Anyway, he has been sent, him and his family, and actually his, all his people, the Atreides people, have been sent to take over Arrakis, which had been ruled for 80 years by the Harkonnen house, who were ordered by the emperor to leave for some reason. The Atreides immediately say, like, that's a great idea. We'll just take over this place that's been ruled with an iron fist by these other people who are scumbag monsters. Well, they got ordered to. They didn't have a choice. So they go and do this thing. Don't do any planning ahead of time whatsoever to, like, make sure they have the equipment necessary to continue to, you know, make the spice or defend the orbit of that planet or anything like that. They just land there and put all their forces on the planet, and that's cool. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Because it's all a scam, right? Like it's all a trick. And you should be able to know that it's a trap because they say it's a trap in dialogue and then do nothing to address that it's a trap, that they're walking into a trap. <sighs> Duke Leto thinks that instead of brutalizing the native population of Arrakis, uh, the Freeman, which <laughs> could you not come up with a name better than just Freeman? It, I mean, I know it's Fremen, but like when you read it, it's <laughs> Freeman, which lazy, lazy guys. Anyway, he's going to try and befriend the Fremen to aid and, you know, like, have a better relationship with them so that they will help him make spice, I guess, or whatever, or harvest the spice or whatever. Yeah. Also to deal with these giant sandworms that are on the planet, which are just really fucking cool looking. Yeah. So we then we meet. So that's the opening section of like 
that's the story of what's going on. We start the story with a voiceover from the character whose name I can't remember, but it's Zendaya. Yeah, Jenny. And then uh, we snap to waking up with Timothy Oliphant, who goes and has <laughs> breakfast. Not Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> I was wondering if if that was intentional or not. I wish. I love Timothy Oliphant. I don't watch okay, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. I don't even know how to pronounce this kid's name. I feel bad. Chalamet. It's French. He's the, and he's the weakest link in this movie, too. Timothy Chalamet, he wakes up and then he goes and has breakfast with his just ridiculously attractive mother, <laughs> who is Rebecca Ferguson, Lady Jessica, played by Rebecca Ferguson, uh, who is a Swedish actress and has been in like everything. She was in like the last bunch of Mission Impossible movies and she was in something else, too. It was really good. She's excellent. She's excellent yeah, in this, too. She's, she's probably the best. She's the best in this. And she's also a trained Benny Jesuit yeah. witch. She is a, yeah, Benny Jesuit Rich, which is this, it's Lady Jedis. If we need to do a shorthand, basically, it's Lady Jedis, I think is kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. Close. Yeah, there's there's parallels. Yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, like, George, George lifted some stuff from here, too. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, this yeah. came out before Star Wars, so. <laughs> this came out before Star Trek, actually. Yeah. Like, the book came out, like, a year before Star Trek premiered, so. Uh, either way, so we meet, there. they have breakfast together, and she introduces the idea that he has this superpower that is like a voice it's like the voice from i'm trying Great to think preacher. oh yeah this it is it's the voice, voice of god, god from preacher kind of thing, yeah, yeah. it's the voice he of can, god from preacher can, basically well i think and it's a thing that any of the benny jesuit can do where they can they can push people basically what it is is these are not the droids you're looking for that's what it always yeah. keys me into immediately is george ripped it off so that he could do the droid thing which i great i mean that's it worked really well for the jedi too but either way so he's trying to he she's trying to teach him to use this her his force power essentially to make her bend to his will i.e hand him the glass of water that she poured for him it doesn't quite work he's not quite there yet and then he's informed that they, he has to get into ceremonial dress and then we move on from there um what, what happens like immediately he kind of goes off and we get to meet everybody kind of right like he um, yeah talks- a bunch of bunch more of the people start arriving to the planet yeah like the yeah um, we meet duncan idaho who is jason momoa and is also he's like the han solo of the story basically yeah, like he's he the went badass. ahead and has been living with the fremen well when we first meet him he's just about to leave like he's right, it's paul right. talking to him uh and yeah, that's the, on Kaladin. where the, the one joke in this movie flops in that scene Wait, the, yeah, the muscle not, joke like there's no humor in this movie whatsoever <laughs> at all and it's very yeah it's interesting that like they had jason momoa try it jason momoa keeps trying to do his bro comedy and it doesn't land at all it's really weird like he's his line deliveries also i don't know who decided like to use those ones but i don't know why they were using line deliveries to sound like they should have been in the aquaman movie not in this like he's he stands out from the rest of the uh, actors as just being completely out of place because he sounds like a dude, bro, compared to everybody who's so formal. And he just, well, he's him, or if it was Josh Brolin, one of them, like, it sounded like basically begged Villeneuve to, like, cast them kind of thing. It must have been him, because Brolin fucking yeah. rules in this one. Like, he is fucking yeah. awesome in this. Yeah, I normally don't like Brolin, but I thought either, he was. But he was fucking, dumb. he's just playing cable again, but, like, he's fucking really good in this. Like, he's really playing it, like, to the, he looks that part, though, really good. Like, the, the badass older military guy. Like, he's really yeah. pulling that. Grizzled, yeah. Like that grizzled military guy. He's really pulling into that age bracket now. He can do that role real well. And like, just Mm -hmm. fucking keep casting him. Ever since Thanos, he's been crushing it. Like just crushing it. So, (laughs) so yeah, he's been ordered to go ahead and meet with the Fremen and like kind of 
uh, infiltrate and, you know, make friends and all that kind of stuff. Ally, basically, I should say, more than friends. Because, um, like, nobody's friends with each other. Even, like, this kid and his dad barely even seem like they're fucking friends with each other. Yeah, it's a very... They're, they're very cold. Very, very cold, cold relationships. Yeah. Like, very sterile and cold, really. Like, personal relationships. So we have a... What happens next? Is this that where, is like, the... the now? Is that... Is that the fight scene? Is that what that no, is? The Gomja bar is the the uh, hand in the box with the needle. Oh, well, I mean, like we meet we meet Josh Brolin, and he has we learn about the knife fighting thing with the shield because he has a little okay. knife fight sequence with Paul, and then Paul also goes and like they have a little ceremony where they sign over Arrakis to them. Where like that's where the on- the only other joke in the movie comes up, and it that's the only joke that lands in the movie because it has nothing to do with Jason Momoa. It's Josh Brolin and Oscar Isaac, where he's like smile. He's like I am smiling, and I'm like yeah, Josh Brolin, you mean <laughs> motherfucker. That's a good joke. Only good joke in the movie. So there you go. Yeah. I'm smiling. I love fucking, I like Josh Brolin these days. Either way. So yes, finally we meet uh, Reverend Mother who is a, has comes to their, their home world, Kaladin, to meet the mom, like Lady Jessica and Paul. And she is in the most terrifying spider dress I've ever seen. <laughs> and she has to do a test on Paul because Paul has been trained in the Benny Jesuit ways but they generally don't train men in those methods. They also ch- tend not to train the children of Benny Jesuit or something like that to use the powers right away because they become very powerful if they get trained too young or something like that. Maybe that's from the book. Yeah. I'm remembering something from the book. And they, yeah, there's also the other dimension to that is that uh, Paul has been basically the result of like a, like generations long breeding program to try yeah, and Right into the, the eugenics yeah. real early on here. Oh, yeah. So that's a good Hard, times. Hardcore. Like, yeah, where they're trying to breed. There, there's this prophecy that the Bene Gesserit, it seems just fucking made up. And then, like, seeded throughout the galaxy where there's, like, this being that is a man, you know, male that can use the Bene Gesserit powers and is, like, basically their messiah figure. And they think that Paul might be I still had an idea for a comic Paul and I were going to work on, like, <laughs> 10 years ago, basically. But, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, she, yeah, he has to go through this test with her where he puts his hand in a box that causes the most pain any human can ever endure. Great. He also She also has a, ne- a poison needle at his neck. This lady is a bitch, just so yeah. we're all clear. Oh, she, yeah. is, she is a bitch. She's a rough character. Yeah. And so she goes through this test with him, and he finds out, like, she realizes he, he's got the power, and, like, he might be this chosen one, but he's she's just going to let it play out, basically, to see what happens because the Benny Jesuit uh, have Benny Jesuit have like plans that go on for like millennia, like they're an Illuminati esque yeah, kind of society, like where everything is you can just wait because the next generation will take care of it or whatever. So apparently he's cool, but she wants to know about his visions. So because the whole time Paul's been having these visions of Arrakis and Zendaya. And I, basically, he's basically been living the life that we all have been for the past six months, watching trailers of Zendaya in Doom, basically. <laughs> yeah, right. Much. <laughs> like that's, he's just seen trailers for this movie, basically, in his head. Poor kid. Poor kid. <laughs> no. Even I'm sick of seeing the trailers for this fucking movie at this point. I don't have to see it anymore now. Nope. Seen it twice. Good to go. Might have to watch it one more time just to refresh myself before we go into the sequel. I know you'll make me watch the sequel, assuming it gets greenlit because they still haven't even greenlit it yet. Warner has basically said that has pretty much said that they're going to greenlight it. Like they I said, hope so. like, they even went as far as to say like that they weren't only going to consider the box office, although the box office for this, this, this weekend, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, they're already at 40 million for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. 
I like I'm all for them getting a sequel. I would like if you're going to do this uh, and then leave me with blue balls at the end of it. I, I hope to fucking God I get to release in oh, yeah. three years. You know what I mean? Because yeah. God only knows how long it's going to take them to shoot another one of these things. Mm-hmm. Either way. So now we're kind of like we've set up the stage for them to go to Arrakis. We kind of know who everybody is, although it still feels pretty rushed. And now we are like we are on our way to Arrakis. Right. Basically, after he, he's because uh, yeah. what happens after he goes through this test is like the mother goes and she gets into like an argument with the lady who did the test. And then, but like the entire time, Paul's following them, so he kind of hears this whole thing about like maybe I'm the chosen one. Yeah, I'm so sick of chosen one shit in these fucking movies. But like that's, <laughs> I mean, this is like the OG one, so I almost can't complain yeah, about probably. it. But yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? This is like sixty, almost sixty year old fucking uh, like the, this is the, this is the original where like all this horse shit kind of started uh, in sci fi and fantasy stuff. So well, not started, but like really became tro- like codified as a trope yeah. in this anyway, especially in the sci-fi side of things. So yes, they, uh, Leto, Jessica, and Paul finally now, like the whole, like the proper force of Atreides like travels to Arrakis to take over. Arrakis is a desert planet. It's very interesting looking. Everything looks cool in this movie. Like that's, yeah. I'll say that at the top, like the production design on this is like without no, a no. shadow of a doubt, like the best shit that I've ever seen so yeah that's it's really cool looking so they've arrived at the planet in adv- and they you know they go around and kind of see like we see the first fit sandworm and like we run back into duncan idaho i just want to point out that duncan idaho may be the dumbest fucking name a, in the history of some fucking name absolutely like it, it doesn't it doesn't match anything else in this fucking no nope. uh, it's fucking such an earth name either. like <laughs> such an earthy earth name and then it stands out like crazy with all this other horse shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. All this alieny horse shit. Because <laughs> even like Lady Jessica is it's close, but like Duncan Idaho sounds like Buckaroo Bonsai or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it sounds like Flash that kind Gordon of, or some yeah, shit. It, it sounds, sounds like something like yeah. that. Yeah, and it 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 doesn't fit the tone of the rest of this. Which well, and I think that might be. I wonder if that might have been on purpose because they were kind of trying to make him stand out from the other characters as like a little more grounded and down to earth, and he is like kind of the pulp hero until he dies. Spoiler. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> but then they cast like six foot five god hunk Jason Momoa that like. Yeah is the least fucking relatable human being on the planet because he's just seeing so gorgeous to, and giant. Yeah, seeing him next to Josh Brolin, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, he's, like, a good head taller than fucking Josh, Josh Brolin's Brolin. tiny. Yeah, Josh Brolin's only, like, five foot eight. That was the problem with him being Cable because, like, he, he had to stand on boxes next to Ryan Reynolds, who's a legit yeah. 6'2". He's a big Canadian boy, right? Yeah. yeah, Josh Brolin's a tiny man. And Jason Momoa was a big Samoan motherfucker. Those yeah. guys are all, like, six foot five. I knew he was big. I just didn't realize that uh, that uh, Brolin was that, that short. Him and uh, him and Affleck, I guess they had a lot of jokes on set of Justice mm-hmm. League because like the other guys on, in the Justice League weren't anywhere near as tall as the two of them. Like even Cavill's only like six two, really. Yeah. Like versus like Affleck six five and Momo was six four or something like that. Like that's a big bunch of dudes also yeah. just wandering around in superhero costumes. But either way, yeah, he's a fucking house. He's a tank. This guy. <laughs> so I I like Jason Momoa. I just like he's he stands out like a fucking sore thumb in this movie. Um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. so so we are going to go like do a little like viewing of one of the spice reclamation centers or whatever the fuck they have. They have these like yeah, the sand crawler sand crawler thingies uh, um, that yeah. like harvest spice a spice harvester. That's harvester. the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> And they fly off in their cool dragonfly, super impractical, but very cool dragonfly ships. Yeah. The or their ornithopters is what they're called. Yeah, they call the ornithopters, yeah. Yeah, they're so they're flying around in those cool things. And they go and look at the ship 
and Leto, so Oscar Isaac's character, spots a sandworm in the distance. And there's a whole action sequence about like the sandworm is going to attack the harvester and its escape like balloon thing that they use to like kind of lift it off the they're ground. So the sandworms, I think, yeah, they're called. Yeah, them. it's their escape plan to get the harvester thing off the ground so that when the sandworm comes underneath it it's not there basically anymore as yeah. the sandworms come and like attack them and something goes wrong with the what did you call One it the that that picks it up that's supposed to be yeah picking up the yeah the it has like four like four Army tractor things. cables or whatever you want to call it and it the one misses like misfires and doesn't yeah like magnetized properly or whatever they do. So they can't lift it. So they're like, evacuate the harvester and we're going to land our ornithopters and you guys can run out and get it on and blah, 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 blah. And all this, so all this cool shit happens except Paul, like he, because he's outside and he's affected by the spice. Now this is the first time I think it happens right in the, yeah. in the movie. Well, you get that really good moment when Paul puts his feet on the sand for the first time yeah. and you can like tell that he's feeling a connection to like the sand and the planet. And I, I really like yeah. that was a really good moment really effective. Yeah. And then he starts breathing the spice, the spice and it starts uh, affecting him as well. So yeah, he, so then Josh Brolin has to grab him and pull him back into the fucking ornithopter and they all escape and it's all great, but there's a little bit of like hemming and hawing because they're like the people who are on the, the harvester don't want to leave the harvester because the Harkonnens would have killed them for doing that back in the day. Like they would have mm-hmm. been, Expected to die on the harvester value. Yeah. The value of the spice and everything that was lost. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens and they save the people and go back and there's a little, because at this point we've met the doctor, uh, Liet Keens. Oh, doctor. Yeah. Dr. Kynes. Yeah. Yeah. Who is the ecologist that is kind of like making sure the transition from the Harkonnen house to the Atreides house is fair. But yeah, it she's really the, isn't uh, at all. The, the judge the, of the change. Yeah. Is the title. Yeah. yeah. She's been assigned by the emperor to make sure everything is fair and just does not do that at all. Like just to fucking laughs at them. Basically. She's yeah. like, yeah, you're fucked. Whatever. <laughs> and of course, like fucking dumb shit. Leto is like, is like, well, wait, it's not fair. I should have, <laughs> I should have made a plan for all of this stuff to happen. Like I, I, I knew I was walking into a trap and I'm going to get fucked and I did nothing to help myself. And then expected these people who obviously set me up for this trap to do the right thing. That is, they, they do, they don't play Leto as, as so naive in the book. No, that's, the, and that's the, the problem book, yeah, with the movie. I mean, they, they had to, they, yeah, they had to, I, I can understand why they did what they did, but yeah, it does make, make him come off as more naive as he does in the book. Like in the book, he knows he's walking into a trap and he does have like some contingencies and plans set in place. And you get glimpses of them in the movie, but they never really like explicitly come out and say like, yeah, he knows this is his plan. Well, like he, but they say actively like a number. And like, this is where I'm just going to bitch about my big problem with the movie or like doom in period. Like I remember having this problem with the book also, but like, this is the point of the movie where I'm like, these characters are too fucking stupid to live. And I don't care anymore. And that's where, and I lose interest in the movie at this point. Well, it's okay. They won't live. Well, no, that's the point, but like none of them should have lived. Like literally everything's luck at this point. And I'm like, okay, fine. But like the, the fact that they show these characters who are supposed to be these military geniuses or whatever, right? Like they're the military leaders of all these houses and all this other stuff. The fact that they're so fucking dumb that they know they're walking into a trap and have no contingency plans whatsoever to fucking deal with that trap or even warn them of that trap. They land all their troops on the planet and then they go to bed and then they get attacked in the middle of the night and are all like, what, what? Who are these bad guys who are attacking us? It couldn't possibly be the people who we knew were going to betray us by putting us in this situation. 
what? All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's basically what happens next. Actually, is like uh, the attack happens like that that night. Well, there's the the, the attempt on. Yeah, Paul's there's an life. attempt on Paul's life right before the attack. Actually, that's right because they use the uh, hunter killer or whatever they call it. Hunter seeker. Hunter seeker. Yeah. So the uh, the Harkonnens actually, <laughs> I actually like that. It's pretty fucking clever. They literally like embed a dude into the wall before they leave. Before they leave to assassinate yeah. somebody in the house. I was like, that's what just like, You just live here now. You're in yeah. this wall. That is your entire you, you existence. That wall. Like that's weeks, weeks until it's over. This kid shows up. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's fucking harsh. Like, yeah. that's fucking harsh. But cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of stuff good, where I'm like. It's a good way of demonstrating, like, the Harkonnens, like, brutality, right? Yeah. Now. I was like, like that's really cool. And they did a very good job of that kind of stuff. But then the, the, the other people are so fucking stupid that, like. <laughs> What difference does it make? I would have fucking like my first order when I got into that place would have been like, do we have scanners to scan into the walls? No, tear the fucking walls out then, because like there, there's got to be shit hidden in there that's gonna kill us. These people were fucking monsters, right? Nope, just move into their fucking house and start sleeping. Then that's that's another thing they do address in the book that yeah that they just don't have the time to in the movie and like yeah no they have the time they just choose not to. This movie's three hours long, Tim. Agree to disagree. <laughs> all right so paul is and then again what was that hunter seeker fucking trying to kill because it goes right at his eye and then stops in front of his eye did he power stop it like it's, did he use the no, force to stop uh, it it's keyed to movement which they don't oh they, they, they don't also really, don't explain it either yeah and, and so like because he's because he's not moving much and like he's in that that hologram display or whatever yeah. it can't really see him properly so it like stops it's just pure luck or whatever that it stops like right before him beautiful that you get to explain that in a book and you know yeah. just have this random thing happen that makes no sense in the movie and expect me to know what happened after i read this book 25 years ago <laughs> nope anyway anyway where are we at here so basically yeah now at this point literally like they, they get attacked right so it's like the next day or whatever a tra- the atreides like they're all they're asleep and through the house doctor who we've seen a couple times he's come and checked on paul a couple times um what's his name uh ua ua he betrayed them i think right like he's the yeah because they've the harkonnens have his wife and so right. they're using that to hold it over his head uh, a lot of fucking good that does betray. in the end <laughs> yeah and make make him well i mean yeah yeah and, and uh make him betray and uh kill duke atreides so yeah that's the, the that's kind of the next thing that happens is like he yeah the doctor sorry he doesn't kill him he uh like drugs him. him yeah because yeah. like so leto gets up wakes up walks out of his room and like sees the housekeeper because at one point there's a scene where i don't know who it is but like somebody in the house has to choose like the housekeeper that they're gonna have and it's lady lady jessica. jessica well no but like somebody lets them in like one oh, of their yeah. forces lets them in and lady jessica chooses a fremen woman to do it who also gives her this chris knife yeah the shadow mapes is her name sure and then yeah so she gets the chris knife and this lady is her is their i guess their housekeeper now but yeah uh leto finds her stabbed out in the hall outside their room and he i don't know does he get jumped or like what happens uh, here? You know, uh, UA uses like a uh, shoot the dart. Oh, that's right. He shoots the dart. That's right. The yeah. dart. I was like, like he's right got the stupid shield and, on. And it, and it does that like, you know, has to 
go slowly Slow through the shield to get to penetrate it kind of thing. Yeah, they were really they were real inconsistent about how that shit worked too. Because like Jason Momoa was swinging real fast in all the spots where I was like, wait, it's supposed to be slow, right? Like, yeah, it was hard to tell sense. sometimes. <laughs> Either way, so yeah, he gets knocked out by the dart. That's right. I forgot. I watched this movie fucking twice and I forgot about the dart. <laughs> So he gets knocked out by the dart and then the doctor comes over and explains to him like, listen, I, you're fucked and you're going to get picked up by the Harkonnens, but I'm going to give you this tooth thing, a cyanide, basically a cyanide tooth that also will expel some poison out and kill some yeah. people around you. So you'll get a shot to kill Harkonnen, but only one and it's going to kill you too. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. So they get, he gets picked up by the doctor and like Harkonnen's forces and taken away stripped naked and left in front of a table. God, Oscar Isaac's a good looking man. You know what I mean? Just like (laughs) just chiseled out of fucking marble and that beard and that (laughs) fucking beard is just like at the top of it all on top. Like just amazing. Anyway. So at this point, I think Paul wakes up. I don't even remember what happens through this sequence because it's like it's complete chaos, right? Like Josh Brolin has run out to fight. The troops are all down there, and the, it's both the the Harkonnens troops and also the Sardaukar, who are like the the Imperial the, troops. Yeah, the Imperial like like highly trained, like yeah, it's like the Empire Special Forces, like the SAS of the Empire or whatever, or this yeah, whatever this it is an Empire, so I can call it the Empire, but it's not like the Empire, like you know the Star Wars Empire. Yeah, halfway through this movie, I would have fucking killed for Darth Vader to show up. Though. I tell you what, I tell you what, give me a lightsaber. Yeah, then. Uh, Paul, Paul and Lady Jessica get yeah. captured and they start. They take That's right. The they get captured. They get taken out into an ornithopter where she's they're, they're pretty smart and like actually gag her. And they don't gag him. because so they obviously assume that she's he's not powered the way she is kind of thing. They yeah. know she's a Benny Jesuit. Je- Benny Jesuit. He wanted to call her like the Jesuit. actual Jesuit. Yeah, the actual like, the, I watched The Exorcist <laughs> this weekend because it's oh, Halloween yeah, time. So the Jesuit priest and it's in my head and I've watched yeah, this yeah, now yeah. and everything's all fucked up <laughs> anyway. So they know she's got Benny Jesuit powers. I'm just going to call them Jedi powers. <laughs> no, they've, even, they've even got one uh, deaf troop. Yeah. So that, so that even if she does is able to use her voice, there will be at least one that won't be, you know, susceptible to it. It doesn't help them much because Paul has figured out, eventually figures out how to use the, the force power, like the, the suggestion the voice voice. And so he gets like, he gets them to take her, gag out which immediately she's completely like with it with the voice and just tells them all to fucking murder each other and murder themselves yeah. and let her loose and this that and the other thing and they, they yeah they she takes care of them like likely split and then uh they're out in the, stuck out in the desert they find a package but of you, stuff that the doctor left them yeah. that doesn't include the fucking wetsuits or whatever that they have to or like the, oh, the, the suits the still suits that's what it was yeah. yeah so they're going through it and they're like it has everything we need in here to survive except for the one thing we need to survive the still suits so they run off and they get into a into like a desert tent kind of thing, like a desert camouflage tent and hide basically after they run up to the top of a sand dune and watch their new slash home or new new home, whatever. Yeah, the city with Arakeen. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, burning to the ground as the Harkonnens are taking it back over 13 seconds after they left it. Yep, can't go back there. <laughs> yep, so I guess we can't go back there. So we're just going to set up in this tent, which is going to be filled with spice really soon. So he's going to start tripping balls. Very entertaining. And he does. <laughs> and he does immediately. Um, he sees another vision of Zendaya. Again, it's just like watching the trailers for this movie. He's in the <laughs> middle of the movie and they're showing me a trailer for this movie again. It's just Zendaya in like with lens flare and f- slow motion wind. She is cute. I'll give her that much. <laughs> 
Yeah, they also he also has, starts having visions of some of the other Fremen as well. Like the yeah, he, also starts seeing like his family dying. Like he's talked to oh, Duncan Potato uh, Idaho, Duncan <laughs> Idaho, whatever. He's told him about him dying possibly, but also working with the Fremen. And so like he, his visions are a little inaccurate. They also just like grind the pace of this shit to a fucking halt every time they pop up every fifteen goddamn minutes. So there's that. So yeah, so he's stuck in this thing. His visions are getting more intense. He's seeing more and more stuff. Uh, they the next day they basically have to like escape kind of thing. So they get out, and as soon as they get out, Duncan Idaho shows up and gives them the still suits because heaven forfend they have 14 seconds of problems surviving in the desert without their suits. They immediately get the still suits, and then he disappears from the movie for some reason. No, he. Uh, does he disappear? Isn't this he, where he, there, takes them to he the... does fucking nothing for the rest of the movie. He just kind of sits there and watches them get shit on by Javier Bardem, who's playing exactly the same role Javier Bardem plays in every fucking movie. That no, he's Duncan in. Idaho takes them to that facility uh, with Doctor Kynes and then like protects them and like. Dies. Oh, he dies. Right. Sorry, I forgot about that. Sorry, he. That, I. This movie's too long. I got confused. <laughs> so yeah. So next is he takes them back to the facility. I don't remember what the plan was there here though. Like, is he trying to get them off planet again? Like, was that what the plan was to get them uh, back to London? There is some plan involving like either getting them off planet or getting them to a still, which is what the Fremen call their whatever their siege. Siege. That's it. Siege. Yeah. Stuff. That's that's their little communities. Their underground communities in the caves on Arrakis. Yeah. Uh, they're Zion. Yeah. See, even the Matrix stole from this movie. You know what I mean? Yep. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Matrix stole from this movie liberally. I mean, like, you know, Matrix the, stole from a lot of fucking movies yeah. very liberally. So, and also stole from a comic book almost the entire fucking plot. So there, there is that too. Uh, they really should pay Grant Morrison for that someday. Actually, um, anyway, so yeah, he takes them to this facility where they meet the Doctor Leah Keynes or Kynes. I don't remember how to pronounce it anymore. Kynes, Kynes, and as they're escaping to go meet the Fremen who I, I I don't know what the plan is at this point. It's either they're trying to get them off world or get them to the Fremen. So they'll stay safe and negotiate a new peace with the Fremen or something like that. Either way, as they're doing that Imperial troops and not like stormtrooper. I mean, I guess they are kind of stormtroopers, but like they're, they are. they're, they're troops from an empire. So they are technically Imperial troops. Imperial stormtroopers. It's like, yeah. not, but not the way I mean it. <laughs> not the way I'm saying it. Basically not star Wars stormtroopers. <laughs> Dune stormtroopers show up and uh, Duncan Idaho sacrifices himself quite valiantly so that Paula and lady Jessica and Dr. Kynes can get out and meet with the Fremen. He was eight and a half feet tall, but every person he fought in that sequence, he should have been able to clear the house. You know what I mean? If he's that badass, he should have been able to take those guys out. He took down a bunch before. He, he, took, all, he took a lot of them down. But either way, uh, he's dead now. So now they've killed the two actors that I like the best in this movie. And Actually, that's not you true. You said you did like Momo in this. But, but they killed fucking Oscar Isaacs at this point too, right? Because we're about to cut through the scene where like, yeah, we watched Oscar Isaac actually get face-to-face with Harkonnen. Harkonnen. I don't know. Who played Harkonnen? Stellan Skarsgård. Oh. Holy shit, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, no, he disappeared into that fucking fat suit. Good for him. Yeah. He was fine. He's he's overacting a little bit, but whatever. I'll take him it's, over Jared Leto. It's supposed Leto. to be like a really grotesque like caricature. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bernard Harkonnen's like a very famous like famous famous character. Even like the 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 take on it from the David Lynch movie, which we haven't brought up yet, and they <laughs> borrowed some stuff pretty liberally from for this movie too there's stuff that's in this movie that's from that movie that was not in the books right like that was created by david lynch there's a couple things in here that are like from that movie that aren't 
like, like from the original things that kind of yeah thing. yeah more like visual and like kind of some like some of the changes to some like of the visuals, the, some of the design in that movie was okay but just the yeah. fucking execution of it was oh. garbage. i mean it's like how the fuck i don't know who the fuck decided david lynch yeah. is a good like good choice for dune the man doesn't know how to do a, a linear narrative to save his life <laughs> and you really know how to be able to like convey a narrative to get this fucking mess across properly right so yeah. Like the, oh, anyway, I, so was, we could talk about. We should have done an episode about that movie before we did this one. Just to <laughs> maybe, like maybe in between, maybe before the second yeah, movie or something. We'll, the next one we'll, we'll watch the original the again. Nineteen eighty four Dune because like that's a that's a trip. Yeah, Sting. Oh, yeah. Sting's dick just in there flopping. <laughs> oh, what a mess. Anyway, so yes, uh, Duncan Idaho is dead now, and then we kind of cut. This is intercut with uh, we go back to Baron Harkonnen and. Oscar Isaac, Leto, like Duke Leto, have, finally having their interactions. Harkonnen kills the doctor that betrayed them. Also, this dude is a fucking idiot. Like, like how do you yeah, not know this guy's going to kill you immediately? Like, immediately. Like, he's the, the wife's, your wife's dead, first of all. Like, I get denial and shit like that, but like, your wife, your wife's dead. And now he's got you to do what he wants to do. Guess what happens to you, buddy? You don't get to live happily ever You're after. Awesome. You're going to fucking die. And it's dope as shit because he like picks him off the ground and fucking cuts his throat out and stuff. Like, fucking neat. That was cool. Yeah. He's way more like in hands-on involved than he was in the book. I remember him being very much like a go do my bidding kind of guy in the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like kind of sending people to do his dirty work more than like actually like getting involved and stuff. And that's why it's so big when he actually does get when Leto gets him to come like right up in his face so he can yeah. bite the tooth and so yeah and so that's basically what happens next is uh he goes over to Leto, Leto and like starts talking to him uh basically vin- villain monologuing at him and Leto yeah. mutters something under his breath and Harkonnen gets curious and leans into him at which point yeah Leto takes the chance to like crush the tooth the cyanide tooth and spray it in his face his shield protects him partially from it he is injured but it doesn't kill him it kills fucking everybody else around it yeah, a bunch of other guys like david like uh uh piter the david dasmalkian character yeah who's the mentat of that guy's Harkonnen. having a fucking year eh like that dude <laughs> yeah. yeah fuck suicide squad, i mean then this, suicide yeah. squad then this like that guy's that guy's career is nuts he's a bit actor in fucking dark knight and now he's like man well, no, like, think about his first appearance. First time I remember seeing him, he was in The Dark Knight. He's the guy that Harvey Dent holds hostage yeah. to get what or whatever. We just talked about this, but like, that's the first time I remember seeing him since then. That was that was his first film role, 2008. Now he's in every fucking movie. <laughs> he, he was in two of the biggest movies of the year this year. He was in Suicide Squad and this within months of each other. Big Warner Brothers joints. That guy, I wonder if he goes back to Marvel for Ant-Man. You think they get him back across the street now that he's been oh, huge? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, right? Either way, that dude's had quite the year. He's good in this too, uh, playing that you know the toady role basically. But like, mm-hmm. he's doing his bit. Like he got paid, good for him. Either way, so yeah, all those people are dead. Harkonnen, like, quickly, like a couple, like, a couple scenes later, Harkonnen's people come into the room after like they think it's cleared and safe, and they, like, we get there's all this cutting. You can see that what's his name is dead. Like Leto's dead, and all these other people around them have died. Kind of like star trek stole this for nemesis when they killed the romulan senate where they're just all dead around oh, the, yeah. the, you know what i mean because of a chemical agent or whatever yeah and then uh but they look up and because they hear somebody up on the ceiling and what's his name stellan skarsgård's harkonnen is floating yeah, up in the ceiling because he's got like a he's got like levitation yeah technology built into his spine because he's so fat he can't fucking move properly yeah he's got like a uh anti-grav harness built into his back which yeah. is nasty looking 
Uh, so he doesn't actually walk. He floats along the ground and stuff like that. And they do a couple of those cool shots where like, he's got the long robe. like He looks like a snake kind of mm-hmm. thing. They do that a couple of times. That's, I think that's one of the visuals they pulled from the, uh, the original movie. Yeah, pro- I think you're right. Yeah, I think that was from the original. No. That's not really how they, they talk about him in the in the book. He's supposed to be like just bulbously fat, like this, like job of the hut yeah. in the. If book. you've seen the uh, the sci-fi miniseries, like that's yeah, if you've seen that, he's like just grotesquely. Okay. Yeah, he looked like uh, like in Blade. They had the fat vampire in Blade, like the yeah, really yeah. just like disgusting, really big fat vampire in Blade. There's like, there's like that, which is like that's what the book describes from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Either way, he so he's kind of out of the picture for the rest of the movie, except for like there's a little scene with him and Batista. He's not in the movie very much, but he gets to do a lot of cool like action shit. Like he's the he'll be in it more, I think, than the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he's the one who they shoot like off in a distance, killing guys like indiscriminately. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like being a bar- like barbaric piece of shit kind of thing like out there. And it's Batista, so he looks the part. Like he's a big fucking like hoss, Pain right? Like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they got to paint it all white and stuff. He looks like every the makeup and like all that shit looks fucking dope. We'll talk about that obviously when we get through yeah. this labyrinthine fucking plot. <laughs> so where are we at here yeah so at that point we cut back to paul and lady jessica who are kind of still in the tent at this point um when he dies they're still in the tent because he like they sense that he's died and they have a conversation about it in the tent and then they find like idaho finds them or they get out of the tent and they meet idaho and then he goes and dies and all that other shit yeah and then dr liet kynes takes the two of them out and is like if you go this way you'll meet you'll get on an ornithopter that you can get out like to the far reaches of the planet and meet up with the Fremen out there who will you take to, you, you in have to fly through this fucking dust storm to get away from these other, like the, yeah, the, the Imperial guys. Yeah. yeah. The Imperial guys or whatever. And she goes another way and <laughs> tells them that she <laughs> so fucking dumb. She's like, she, cause she's a Fremen woman and she's like, I'm going to go this other way. And like, I am one with the desert. So I'll be fine. The, the ornithopter only holds two people. Is yes. The, yeah, the Which excuse. is horseshit. Cause we just watched ornithopter carrying 17 people. Like, 20 minutes earlier yeah, in the movie but this one's supposed to be smaller or what or what whatever either way so she's going some other way she goes another way walks outside gets attacked and then a earth a sandworm eats all of them so she lasts 14 seconds after they part ways i do really like that scene though where when she gets stabbed from behind and they do like the water spray because yeah. her still suit has been like breached that's like just a beautiful shot like it ties in that whole like water is life kind of water is oh, man this life. movie like made within an inch of his life like just pristinely made like well well made movie executed amazingly just around a script or story that probably needed another pass oddly enough yeah even though the story is 75 years old (laughs) either way it's always been the challenge with this fucking story like it's always been the the biggest and why so many people have said no dune is just unfilmable well there's so much idiot ball and you have to you either have to like go into way too much detail to explain everything or some of your characters are going to look really dumb because you're leaving out mass plot details right and they chose yeah. to go the mark's going to get pissy about plot details that were left out and makes everybody <laughs> look stupid which fair enough because you don't want this movie to be four hours long it's already two and at two and forty ish and which is and it's a sit like that first half needs some choppy chops but either way so they're on they get into the ornithopter now paul and lady jessica and they fly off into the storm and he starts having visions because they're in the middle of all this sand that has spice in it and it basically tells him to like turn the fucking engines off and just let the wind take guide them wherever they're gonna go let the storm let the force get your hand you know what i mean just wow george 
Could you be more <laughs> obvious? Anyway, so yeah, he lets that happen, and they kind of they don't they crash. Yeah, more or less. Kind of, I mean, more or they, less. Glide, they glide to the. It's like a controlled sort of descent. Yeah, that they kind of glide down to the ground, and it's not the most graceful landing, but they don't die. And we met at the beginning. I didn't b- mention this, but at one point, Duncan Idaho had brought Javier Stilgar. Bardem's character. What? Stilgar. Is that a guy's name? Yeah. All right. St- cool. Javier Bardem. That that is one of the good comedic beats where he does like the spit oh, on the, the table spit, yeah. and like and then everybody's like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" And he's like, "No, it's it's a compliment. He's you know giving you as water." My, I didn't take that as comedy. I immediately went to like first contact protocol. Like, why is he doing that? Like on our, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be like, "Oh, no, you have to well, do it." Was I, I, I see? I knew that, but like yeah. there were people that had didn't haven't read the book or whatever, and like didn't know that scene and started like laughing at it. Like, "Whoa, what?" I remember, I remember like, when I saw. Yeah, it was the same thing. People laughed at it, and I was like. No, this is oh, I've read the book. I, I'm like yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah, it's called this is first contact protocol, guys. So he's doing that as a yeah. welcome. Either way. You're the pe- you're the people that like laugh at like people that, you know, have like funny food on their table or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. They eat bugs or whatever, right? Ha ha ha. ha so funny. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we've met Javier Bardem's character earlier on where he meets Leto and Josh Brolin and uh, I don't remember any of the characters' names anymore. Josh Brolin is Gertie Halleck. Duncan Idaho brings him back kind of thing like early on in the like when they first get to Arrakis. Yeah. I really wish all these planet names were not a something. It's very confusing because it's like <laughs> Harkonnen, Atreides, Arrakis. Arakeen is the city. Arakeen. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of like a st- sounds and like none of this stuff. It's like Star Wars names. They are technically, they're all just kind of Star Wars names where it's just like they're just different vowels than you're used to in English jammed together. But it's hard to remember a lot of it. So yeah. either way. It's like a Game of Thrones level of characters. <laughs> it is. And there's a lot of characters, right? So it's hard to keep track of all this stuff. So like hopefully you guys have watched this before you listen to our fucking <laughs> nonsense rereading of this crap to you. So uh, where, where are we at at this point? Uh, oh, right. basically- so, so now we're back and like we meet with the Fremen again, right? Like they meet. Well, first they they just barely escape a sandworm, right? And then that's when Paul has that huge moment where the sandworm like comes up in front of him yeah. and like basically looks right at him, kind of thing. Yeah, the trailer then, shot, the big yeah. trailer shot happens, and then the Fremen show up, right? Yeah, and then and, they, yeah, then they meet up with the Fremen and fight, fight, fight. And then it's fight. and then it is fight time. Yeah, everybody gets into a fight now. Javier Bardem fights the mom, like fights Lady Jessica. Because he doesn't think that she he he thinks that he can train Paul to be a Fremen, but he she's too old, and she kind of proves him wrong by fucking curb stomping his candy ass because like <laughs> she's a Bene Gesserit. Yeah, and she's been trained in in hand to hand combat as well. Yeah, yeah. So she's trained to like stomp ass, and she fucking stomps his ass, yeah. and then uh, so he's like, okay, I guess they're coming with us, and this is cool. And then one of the other dudes that's in like the Fremen group is like no 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 no. i'm not having any of this i don't want like fuck that uh the person who's strongest leads and she just beats you which means we need to reevaluate the whole leadership situation i challenge her to a duel or i challenge her champion so paul takes him on paul had had a vision of this guy killing him at one point also like or maybe this is where they have that vision and again grind the fucking plot to a halt so we can do 13 minutes of trailer shots but he doesn't yeah and they have the fight and yeah, dude, they get in the fight, but he kills other dude. He kills Fremen dude. Paul Paul stabs Fremen dude with a trick shot, like across the back kind of thing, like a sneak mm-hmm. shot. And dude dies, and which allows them to basically and this is after what's her name shown back up for her 30 seconds of screen time. Chaka. Zendaya's back. 
Chen. And she kind of tells him that like, he's a good fighter. And like, I don't, I don't care if you die or, you know, what she's basically just playing MJ. And she gives him the knife to him. that, that he's yes. been seeing in his visions for the whole fucking movie. So and far. yeah, so he finally gets his own Chris knife. Cause his mom's got one that she's been using already. Right. Yeah. She got one. The, she got uh, one from Mapes, the Mapes, Mapes gave it to her. The, yeah. And the Chris knives are made from the teeth of the child of the sandworms. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. So they have that fight. This dude dies. And then that's kind of the end of the movie, right? Yeah, basically the end of it is like them, you know, sort of starting to join the Fremen and, yeah. and walking along. And then there's sort of a, like a, a little voiceover thing saying this is only the beginning and then end credits. Yeah. So the balls of Denis Villeneuve, again, on display where he puts <laughs> Doom Part 1 after you've watched two and a half hours of movie where nothing really happens. <laughs> <laughs> and the plot's just starting now. So there you go. That's the that's my retelling of what I thought of Doom or Doom, not Doom. Doom the movie's terrible. Doom, Doom, yeah. Doom. <laughs> This is the best version of the Doom I don't movie. Think Denis Villeneuve could even uh, save Doom the movie. I would take it. Denis Villeneuve's version of Doom <laughs> with The Rock. Even get The Rock and Carl Urban to come back. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, buddy. Let's do it. Either way. So that's the end of Doom. Uh, Doom 2021. Part one. Part one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see when the sequel comes out sometime in 2024 if holy shit. <laughs> or whatever. All right, so so I'm gonna give my top level thoughts first. I clearly think I enjoyed this movie a lot more than Mark did. Yep, <laughs> I I loved it. It was it was just what I wanted from it. It I was fine with the pacing. Like I thought that it it, it actually it didn't feel as long as it actually was to me. I, I was like thinking I actually had some weird moments with that that I'll talk about a little bit later. But yeah, I thought it was just fucking beautifully executed, like rendered, you know, the visually. Just amazingly, I thought it was generally cast pretty well, uh, with a, maybe one or two exceptions. Yeah, I mean, this is has long been one of my like favorite science fiction stories of all time, and for a story that has been repeatedly, you know, and and for many years referred to as like unfilmable, I think that this is the probably going to be the definitive version that we will get. They'll never get closer to that fucking book than they're doing in this at this point. Yeah. Like, there's no fucking way. Unless, unless they do like a fucking like twenty four episode miniseries or something like that. Even then, they'd have to spend so much money just to get the effects to look right. Because that's the thing, like with this oh, movie, it was, is, yeah, it wouldn't be for like twenty years. You know, when you can like just get an AI to do all the effects. If I was, if I was judging this based solely on like the technical merits of this movie, it is a ten out of ten. This movie yeah. looks amazing. It sounds unbelievably cool. Mm-hmm. Like home audio, theater audio doesn't fucking matter it sounds amazing you gotta have a good fucking system like i had my atmos cranked yeah. up to like 80 uh and i'm pretty sure the neighbors were pissed at me but fuck them i was watching dune so <laughs> like the i don't know man like it looks great but like the the plot just took me out of it immediately like it's just it too many notoriously dense story and so like yeah i can i can understand that it, it's one of those things like you know, Dune is is also a really divisive book in some oh, style. It's, it's one of those things you like it or you don't. I've read it and like I've never I've read the first two and I remember really struggling with the second one. I got through the first one okay, but I was never like it's so much it's it's not as hard sci-fi as I like either, right? Like it's very fantasy based sci-fi. It's this is way yeah. this is more Star Wars side sci-fi than Star Trek. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's obviously it's first off, it's not my fucking cup of tea immediately. Um, because of that and usually doing that in a sci-fi like 
milieu is the best way to get me into that kind of stuff. Um, so I like this better than like Game of Thrones or whatever. And I didn't hate this movie. I just had like big problems with like, yeah, like just so much idiot ball had to be thrown around with like the main cast that I, I felt no sympathy for anybody when like when catastrophe hits these characters, I'm like, I don't care because like they fucking earned it. Like, how do you live in an interstellar fucking society and not have orbital fucking defense systems? around your extremely valuable planet. How you not thought that far ahead to at least have an orbital, like a ship in orbit to warn you when the Arconans show up That's fair. and start bombing the fucking planet from orbit or our shields are perfect. They can't do that. Well, they did. They fucked you up from orbit. So your perfect shields suck and you should have planned ahead. So that really took me out of the movie, but like uh, from the other side of it, like the technical side, perfect. Just, stunning visuals it, most of the acting is really good i had probably a little bit more issue with like the lead i'm not super keen on and like what's his name really took me out of it here and there uh jason moa oh, yeah. and again javier bardem took me out of it too because he basically plays the same character in every movie now like it's always he's always the sly like yeah. but kind of charming roguish guy and i'm like exotic I'm, yeah yeah and a little exotic with the accent and he's like you don't know if he's he's a little weird but like he's kind of cool so you want to watch think he's cast well here but yeah i don't think he's doing much acting he's, he's doing, doing much he's like, just hey, doing I'm, his I'm own javier thing bardem. i'm yeah. gonna show up and i'm gonna give you javier bardem yeah and i'm like i'd rather see somebody else do that like have to work to do that role as opposed to just like oh that's his default great it's the same as zendaya zendaya is just like snarky and shitty to him the way she is to peter in the spider-man movies she's doing exactly the same reading line readings and i'm like this kind of sucks i want something else from this like i want more alien from these very alien characters i don't just want snarky high school girl and javier bardem playing the same role he's played in the last 12 movies that he's played so that was also kind of jarring to me but like when you yeah so there's that but then there's like Rebecca Ferguson, give her an Oscar. Yeah, she fucking destroyed like, this shit. Her performance during the Gamjabar, where she's yes. sitting outside the door and like oh God, you she's can, so good. She, she knows what uh, what Paul is going through in there, like the pain that she's yep. he's going through because she's gone through that that ritual before and everything. Like, yep. and that you know she's just has to restrain herself from going in there and, and oh, she, protecting her son. That was just fucking phenomenal. She's been great in almost everything she's been that I've seen her in. And I've seen her in a couple of things, but like she was amazing in this. And like actually watching her is kind of what kept me going through the rest of the movie because her performance kind of kept me going. Yeah. She's one of the characters that sticks around for the long haul. Well, kind of I knew like, I knew that from reading the book, right? Like yeah. that she sticks there for like the rest of it. So I was like, okay, I can kind of thank God a performance that I'm really into. will be here for the entire breadth of this so i can just kind of like climb onto her which sounds yeah. gross but like sure i would because <laughs> dear god also but yeah the, uh, so we, we both talked about yeah like jason yeah. momo wasn't like fantastic he did kind of stick just out, doing aquaman like, yeah yeah it, but at least you know at least he's dead and we're not gonna yeah, see oh, him uh, in the second movie right so like, and the, but, the, but that's the other problem is the, the flip of that is fucking oscar isaac got to do absolutely nothing again in this movie every time i see oscar isaac in something he gets does nothing or gets killed off really early or in this movie he does both where he does fucking nothing and then he dies so he is there he has good presence but they they pulled out a lot of the stuff from the book what that gives you has good presence i mean he's got a lot of stuff from the book it's amazing in this the yeah Yeah. that that really uh does flesh out his character more and shows you that he's not just you know a, a naive idiot that just ends up getting destroyed kind of thing. the big problem i have with the the way this 
the, the stories told in this movie is that he comes off like the biggest dope on the planet. Like him and Josh Brolin look like giant morons at the end of this. Cause it's like, they're supposed to be in charge of this military and they got fucking stomped into the dirt, like in 13 seconds yeah. because they didn't have like orbital security. Like honestly one ship in orbit and they, none of this becomes a problem anymore. Like it's idiot ball. And it drove me nuts through the second half of the movie. So uh, there you go. What else? Uh, in terms of performances, I thought I liked Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen. I thought he was really over good. the top, like crazy over the top, but like it worked perfectly for that role. For that yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. I, I was happy with him as Paul Atreides. It's a really difficult role to like try and find someone to play this like troubled, like you know, troubled teenage royalty fucking basically kind of thing yeah. and I, I felt he like he did an admirable job at it it may it maybe wasn't perfect but i can't think of anybody else that would have necessarily done it better and i think he has the presence and the like the physicality for it too oh you know who i i kept thinking of and it's probably just because they're kind of physically look like it but i think like if we could have got adam driver 10 years ago i think he would have been better at yeah it. like adam driver's got the fucking he's got the same kind of physical presence as this kid does but he's also like a like magnificently better actor than this kid. like this kid's not bad but like adam driver knows how to fucking work so yeah i don't know like that that was kind of who i saw in there i was like ooh, that would have been probably better casting for me but he's also he's our age now so like it doesn't yeah really work, exactly it wouldn't right have worked, wouldn't have worked here but yeah I, I can't think of anybody today necessarily oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Able to, i mean to pull it off kind of thing oh, fuck um, the kid. what's his name kid spider-man <laughs> <laughs> Tom Holland, <Oliver. laughs> just so him and Zendaya can just be in more movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> together. I uh, know he would have been terrible in this. Like, I, like he was fine for this. I just, I, I didn't. I don't know. That like, also it's, the it's role a doesn't work. Character yeah. to empathize with to begin with, yeah. uh, and I think that is a feature of the source material. And it's one of those things where, well, like, yeah, sure it's, a book. <laughs> yeah, it depends exactly. on how you look exactly. At it. You know, it's it's one of those things. This isn't a book where any of the characters are like super empathetic like sympath like you can can't really sympathize with many yeah. of them very well kind of thing and so that is one reason that i think a lot of people don't get into it and and why one of a lot of the or some of the reviews that i've seen that they have had negative things to say about the movie it's been like yeah it feels like the performances have no soul it's like yeah yeah it's because these people are supposed to like wait till the second movie these performances here are supposed to be like cold and sterile and then they you know start to integrate into fremen society and you know, that's when they start to really open up and get much more like emotional moments and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like, it's a hard sell for me to do it like this, where you like, now I've got to sit through, I've, we've sat through a three hour movie where like, we've gotten the, we've just set the table basically. Like mm-hmm. this movie barely even operates like a regular movie because of that. You know what I mean? Like it has a very weird structure and pace because of that. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is, it is very much a part one. Yeah. yeah so like it's it's almost hard and it's one of those things where like people are like you, if people are going to expect like a recommendation from us at the end of this and i can't even i can't even say i can recommend going to see it aside from like just the visual side of it like going to see it in the theater because like we don't know like i know yeah yeah we'll probably get the sequel but like <laughs> if we don't i'd be fucking furious i'll be furious oh, yeah. personally you know what i mean like i'll be upset because if i had to sit through this and then like the better part of it hasn't even shot yet this is like watching Lord of the Rings, like Fellowship, and like you don't know if they're making two towers. Like that's infuriating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like infuriating. So yeah, like we got through. I we got to just sort of the start of Act Two in this movie, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, yeah. So. Which is like great, but whew, 
What else? In terms of performances, like I said, I didn't hate Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck, which is I usually find yeah, you hate him. Watches, so, but the the one thing with him, Gurney Halleck is he's supposed to sing a few times in the book. Like he has like a uh, he plays on a ballast set, which is like a stringed instrument. Uh, but I'm guessing they kind of skipped that because none of us need Josh Brolin to fucking do that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't I don't envision Josh Brolin as much of a fucking singer. So like instead they just chose to lean more into him like reciting bits of poetry and stuff because he's he's supposed to be like the Renaissance man, right? Like he's he's you know military yeah. genius and and like grizzled, but he's also you know sort of like that he's a little bit romantic kind of thing. I guess you could do him have him do like Tom Waits kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Where he just grumbles singing. I, yeah, <laughs> that's where you go. But I can't see Josh Brolin singing. Yeah. Although now that I now that I you you put the thought in my head, I kind of want to see it. <laughs> maybe he's still around, so maybe we'll see that in the next movie. Did he not die? I thought he died. Oh, did did Halleck die? I don't think I don't think they show actually what happens to Halleck. They nuke the whole fucking territory that he's in. Did they not like glass that whole fucking region? I don't know. Either way. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm watching this movie theory. for a third time to figure out what happened to Josh Brolin. It's basically <laughs> where I'm at. So whatever, man. But to go back to the technical aspects, like and the visual light, yeah. and the visual side of this, like it's overall just fucking beautiful. Production design is top notch, excellent. There were a lot of visual things that aren't really like so. To give our listeners full fucking reference, like I am about 200 pages into this like 600 page book right now because I was like, I'm gonna try and fucking reread Dune. But I only got up until like maybe halfway through this movie kind of thing. Like I'm, yeah. I haven't got to the point where the attack happens. Basically, I've gotten past where the the attempt is made on Paul's life. That's, That's basically where I realized that I hadn't listened for about two hours at that point. Like I just kind of tuned it out on the audible yeah. reading. And I was like, I'm not going back two hours to start this over again. The movie comes out like tomorrow and I don't but care that much anymore. <laughs> But that being said, like, so I do have a lot of the visuals from this movie, like the establishing kind of stuff in my head when I was going in to see it and of the story when I was going in to see the movie. And so, like, there were a lot of visual things that aren't really explicitly described in the books where I I liked the way that they decided to visualize those in the movie. The ones that uh, stuck out to me were the Mentat characters, which we didn't really talk about on the uh, Atreides side. It's uh, Thufir Hawat. He's the uh, older, older guy. Oh yeah, yeah. No guy. Um, he was he was good too. That actor was good. Yeah. Uh, and when they're using their the mentats are like sort of uh, you know have like mental powers, not like telepathy or anything like that, but they're just like they can think through very complex concepts and uh, situations in their head and sort of understand how they're gonna play out. There's spice enhanced know. also to do that, right? Like that's part of it. It's not spice enhanced. They they it's a wine or something like that that they drink. Oh, okay. uh, that I thought they were spice enhances too. those abilities. Might be there might be some spice to it too. So like when they're using their abilities, they don't really talk about it in the book, like what it looks like. But in the movie, it's like their eyes go white. Yeah, they like blink and their eyes go white. And then well, they did they, that in this. Yeah, no, it's well they don't. They never mention what it looks like in the book, and so that was oh totally okay something that they came yeah, up yeah. with here, and also the. With that's a pretty common trope to blank the eyes out while you're accessing AI or whatever. Like they do that in a True. bunch of stuff, right? Like they do it. Like Matrix does it. I'm pretty sure. Which they may have stole it from this. Actually, no, because yeah. I don't. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The other thing was their their lips are supposed to be like stained with that wine or whatever that they Ooh. take to enhance their abilities. But here they chose to do like that lip tattoo instead, which I thought yeah. was another like visually striking little thing there. I mean the the way that they 
visualize the spice itself, the shield fights, like the slow ba- slow blades penetrating the shields, all that I thought was just like, yes, this is, if it wasn't something that I had envisioned in my head, it was like, yeah, that totally fits with the way that I envision this world in general kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't have any problem with the shield stuff. Like the, the combat stuff, like it looked okay when they were doing it the right way. But yeah. it, it kind of falls apart. There was a in the bigger action sequences. Like, hey, this just looks like a big action sequence, and they're they're not actually like trying to do that thing where they slow down the blade for the killing blow or whatever. I think it was worse. Like that, there's this scene where they're like guarding the stairs. There's a bunch of them guarding the stairs, mm-hmm. and like people come behind them, and I, they just yeah, look yeah. super hokey and cheap in that one shot for it's some reason. A lot of it shot from the top down and everything. Well, it was the top down, but the side shots where they were like just hacking at each other, and like no, you can tell nobody's making contact, but like yeah. people are just falling, and I'm like. What is supposed to be happening? Like, I know the shield stuff's supposed to be happening, but like, it doesn't connect as gr- well as like when you're watching like Josh Brolin do the fighting or like Jason Momoa do it. You're just kind of focused on them. It's one on one. It's not just like mash of shit happening behind it. So you can't really tell there's contact happening. So it just looks like these people are like miming knife fighting and half of them are falling. And I'm like, what? That's a weird look, but okay. Like, it makes sense because that's what the technology would probably look like. But it's when you're watching it, you're like, Wait, what just fucking happened? What's cool because it's, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult to process because it is something relatively new and novel. Like, it's not really something that is, you know, anymore, like, in a big fucking battle scene. Like, you can pretty much figure what you're going to see. But, like, here, they had to, like, visualize things that are pretty novel. Yeah. And so, I was generally happy with the way they did that. The other things that were, didn't line up with what appeared in my head when I'm reading the book, but still worked for me, were, like, there were a lot more insect-influenced designs than i was necessarily expecting uh like the ornithopters looking like the dragonflies they went back to some of the uh geiger stuff too because geiger did some design work on the original movie and they brought some of that design work forward into this apparently Mm -hmm. to influence some of it so there is a lot more they probably pulled some of those godorowski designs too from that uh, planned movie in like the 70s or whatever yeah probably but the insect stuff i mean Insects technically like are probably better equipped to handle the rigors of space yeah, travel than humans are. Why, so, well, not just space travel, even, but like even Dune combat, itself, like, right? Yeah, like, Dune, yes. that made sense to me. So, like when when I I hear ornithopters, I picture in my head like something more like a bird with like flapping wings, because like orna bird, right? Mm-hmm. But I this this one still worked for me. And then the hunter seeker, I was picturing more just like almost like a, a needle flying through, like hovering through the air kind of thing. Whereas he yeah. made it more like a, more like an insect, like a wasp or something like that. It looked yeah. like a hummingbird to me, but yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Somewhere in between, like it looked like, like a, a hummingbird, hummingbird or... that had like insect wings or something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And even the vice harvesters, they looked like a huge, like bulky spider or something like that. Well, it looked like beetles. They had, they had a beetle esque yeah. like armored appearance to them. Yeah, no, there was, I mean, that's how you make shit look alien. It's like, it's a uh, concept artist shorthand 101 make it you want it to look alien look at bugs that's they always tell you that in illustration school it's always like go look at bugs use your make your aliens look like bugs and like mix and match bug parts and you're fucking you got a monster because bugs are creepy looking and when you blow them up to like giant size even more creepy looking for some reason so the fucking spice worms for instance yeah yeah fucking amazing they were yeah, like, realized amazing. so well they were menacing imposing they looked like super powerful they looked like they could huge just, yeah just just the scale and that's something like on the technical side of like the movie itself like the production design and like just the sets and that the scale of this everything looks huge and like mm-hmm. the only problem like it doesn't look as lived in as i think i wanted it to like everything looked a little bit too polished still 
but like it mm-hmm. everything was massive and like it's something they mention in the books is like the the places they live are these huge ornate palaces and like complicated like living arrangement spaces and stuff like that that mm-hmm. so they even kind of like there's even some offhand references to them being like kind of like alive almost like the the structures can change as they go and stuff maybe that's mm-hmm. been in the later books and i do a lot of drugs and that kind of keyed on to like one sentence or something <laughs> like that but yeah. i was like that's good that's cool and like they they didn't show any of the like castlevania style like chaos like the fucking things are reforming around them or whatever like the old yeah, house stuff inception kind of yeah like that kind of shit but they did they they made all the sets look cavernous and big like everything even like their living quarters were like my god i would be uncomfortable it's like living in a fucking baseball stadium like i would be so uncomfortable <laughs> sleeping in that room you know what i mean like just huge huge rooms yeah and i thought that was very cool so there's that. So I have actually, can I, I have one more qu- a question about the technical. Okay. Let's, let's finish talking talk about the visual stuff. Cause I, did you like the score? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I've actually okay. been listening to the score for a couple of weeks while I've been reading the book. Cause it's on like, you can stream okay. it. And yeah, I was really happy with the score. Like it was Hans Zimmer score and it was very percussion heavy. There were like yeah. some interesting vocals and stuff. And then it had like the sort of trademark, like Hans Zimmer, like hums and that kind of yeah. thing as well. That stuff. I was like that. I, <sighs> I'm I'm over it. You know what I mean? Like make a score. Like I thought it sounded a little bit too like what Hans Zimmer has been doing for the last little while. And I wanted something different. Like it, it struck me too much like the Blade Runner score. And I like that worked perfectly for Blade Runner, but I don't think, it, I think this There's needed a little bit more. Yeah. This needed a little bit more ornamentation to the score for me, I think because it's so like visually rich. I wanted the score to have a little bit more like, detail to it i guess as opposed to just being like yeah hans zimmer droning big bass notes kind of thing which i and, works, and i wonder again if but, that's something we might get more of in the second movie because in the second movie we'll be spending a lot more time with the fremen and their culture yeah. and everything whereas maybe it's again it, we have no idea how it's going to end up like contrasting against the second half of this true. movie so maybe that was a that could be a conscious choice so that you know to really hammer home that the great houses are all kind of very sterile and cold and don't have you know don't have much personality to them or yeah much, okay you know, i mean that makes sense it just i, I it stuck out to me because i was expecting more from the score and i was really i felt really let down by that because usually this is the kind of movie where like the score is a big fantasy movie right like usually the score kind of does a big amount of the lifting like think of star wars or lord of the rings or not mm-hmm. the marvel movies obviously but like most big fi- sci-fi franchises like star sci-fi trek. star trek yeah, yeah. sci-fi slash like whatever genre franchises generally have a big bombastic score to kind of like carry you along to this kind of lacks that because of the Hans Zimmeriness yeah. of it. So the, the best parts of the score, I think were where he was le- leaning into those more like exotic instrumentations, mm-hmm. like where he was leaning into like the, uh, the, the fast, like hand drums and stuff like that, or the, the vocals. There's some like tablet, like bit. Eastern influence, like tablet E kind yeah. of stuff that I was like, that's cool. Like that's interesting, but there's not yeah. enough of it to really like Middle differentiate the rest of the score from just being like Hans Zimmer drone, which like, again, I don't mind in context where it works. I just felt like this was not where it would have been best suited. Like, I think somebody else would have done this better. You know what I mean? Get your John Williams in here. Like, let's do, let's get a real score in here kind of thing. Or like mix and match it a little bit more, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. Well, I mean, while we're talking about sound stuff, I'll go back and and reiterate what you said. The sound design is just fucking fantastic. Like the sounds that all of the uh, equipment and vehicles and everything are making, the sounds that the shields make, like all that shit was done. So the voice. Yeah. The, Oh yeah. The way that they did the voice and even the way 
the, where they do Paul trying to use the voice, but he doesn't get it quite right. And then you hear him really dial it in and like you feel it. Like you almost feel fucking like compelled to pass the water kind of thing because he got it right. Yeah. So I thought it was so neat. Good. Is that the way they do it in the book? It's way more subtle in the book, apparently, from what I remember. But I think it's, yeah, in the book, it, they never really like explicitly say it, but I feel like it's more of like a, almost a whisper. Well, it's way more explicitly like the Jedi thing where he's like, he's, Breathy. yeah, he's just kind of like, yeah. In, like indicating to you, you know what I mean? Like it's a different tone of voice, like a lower, more mm-hmm. personal tone of voice that infects, like kind of brain infects you, right? And that's what that's where the Jedi thing gets lifted from. And obviously, they, they it's like they have they can't steal from themselves because somebody up bigger has already stolen that way of doing it, kind of thing. So they have to go into the like preacher voice kind of yeah. idea of it, which I mean, obviously, somebody else has already done too. But like nobody gives a shit about Garth Ennis, so nobody really watched Preacher, unfortunately. And nobody watched the show either. There's that That's too. <laughs> I don't know the comic was always like my favorite thing back in the day. Yeah. But see, again, in terms of the visuals and production, uh, this is a story where a sense of place is just crucial, and I think they really nailed that. The way that they hammer home that contrast between Caladan, like the lush greenness Green. of everything, yeah, and the water, and verdant, and yeah, endless spanses of water and ocean versus Arrakis being like desolate and oppressively bright and hot yeah i also really like the way they color keyed this movie and the way that they played with light they used to do some really excellent work with light to convey that level of oppressive heat and light that you get on arrakis there there's definitely you should make sure you have a tv with hdr when you watch the digital version because like it oh, yeah. it really benefits from having that like high dynamic range mm-hmm. even just watching it on the screen versus like watching it on like the TV, like I could tell there's a color grading difference between digital and the the projected mm-hmm. version. Projected version looked a little bit more, like it looked a little nicer, like more saturated, but that might yeah. just be like my TV is not 100% keyed in for this movie because my TV is more keyed in for gaming, but yeah. whatever. And then when they do bring in the the like more darkness and shade, you can, you really get that feeling of, of respite from it kind of thing. Yeah. Like this is, you know, where you're safe from those oppressive, like very violent forces of like the dust storms and the, the, the heat sun, that can kill yeah. you in the course of, you know, in like an hour or two or kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Like even just like being in the desert and I'm not like a, I'm not a fan of tropical climates. So I was like, yep, <laughs> I don't want to be there. Would never want to go there. Would never volunteer for that duty. If I could avoid it, I would rather be in space than <laughs> on that desert planet. Well, so. I'm going to go ahead and say this is a perfect movie to watch high. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I definitely fucking smoked up right before I went in. Yeah, the visuals are interesting and engaging, and they often are pretty fucking trippy too. But if you're like me and like you can start to feel your like heart pumping a bit more when you're like baked, that worked for me and like heightened the intensity and the tension of it. Yeah, and then if you get dry mouth, it just helps with the immersion because it's like you're on Arrakis, like you're yeah. parched and wandering around in the desert. Yep. So watch this movie baked if you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched the, the HBO version of it. I definitely watched uh, under the influence. So there's that a couple other th- things. This is going back to more to the book than necessarily the movie. It's the story in general, but I just love the religious commentary in Dune, like a religious order that openly admits to seeding prop- prophecies through the galaxy. And then like basically using like science and genetics to, and eugenics pretty much to like eventually make those prophecies come true. Like, religion is entirely manipulation of the lower classes in this fucking movie and like i mean in real life has always also been that thing too it's a secret guys your religion is not there to help you (laughs) but yeah no i i mean that's yeah that's commentary that it starts in dune and it pervades most sci-fi at this point you know what i mean like most Mm sci-fi has always cast that like 
doubtful eye on at least most of the sci-fi I watch. As soon as you yeah, bring up like religion, the Bajorans and Deep Space, yeah, and all that absolutely. Thing. But you always get the side eye from like the main characters when it comes to religion, and at least the mm-hmm. franchises that I tend to kind of glom onto. Even the Marvel side, like when they start talking about like gods and stuff like that, you always have like the Tony going like, "What? No, yeah. you know?" <laughs> and like obviously, Star Trek's a very atheistic kind of uh, secular thing. So mm-hmm. not as much woo woo in Star Trek as there is in Star Wars and Dune and stuff. So, although you like you, yeah, you brought up Deep Space Nine, which is like the most woo woo that Star Trek ever gets. So yeah, yeah, there is that. Um, and it's my favorite for some reason. Yeah. Figure it out. I want to call out that Dr. Kynes was a pretty interesting, like little bit of gender and race blind casting. Cause Kynes is male in the book and probably I didn't most even- assume white. I didn't like, even think about that. Not, it makes no sense for any of the fucking Fremen to be white if they're living on a yeah. desert planet. Like, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Like, I saw Javier Bardem, and I'm like, good thing they tanned him a little bit, because, like... They never specifically say, like, that the Fremen are white or anything like that. They just... The only thing they ever really make reference to is the blue on the blue, blue eyes. eyes kind of yeah. thing. So, and that's from the Spice. Which, uh, interestingly, stands out more on black people than it does on the white folks anyway so maybe lean into that in all the other adaptations in the fucking uh the the lynch Lynch adaptation in the sci-fi miniseries like they were all just everybody was fucking white whether it was the uh, harkonnens or the atreides or the fremen or whatever is i mean that that's just hollywood in 1984 so there's that too what late 90s or 2000s or whatever yeah but yeah choosing to make that character a black woman works just as well because there's nothing really essential to that character that necessitates them being a dude or white. So fucking go for it. I was, yeah. I was perfectly fine with that. That I, I like that actress. She was pretty good in that role. Is that uh, uh, Sharon? Sharon Duncan Brewster. Yeah, she was yeah. she was good in that role. You obviously had problems with the pacing. I didn't. The pacing worked for me. It did not feel like a two hour, 40 minute for me. When I realized that we were oh, coming really? up on the break point, I was thinking we were at like the two hour mark. Part of that might have been the weed. The weed didn't help me. Like the weed actually hurt that because like I, oh, yeah. I, it tends to time dilate. Sl- like time slows down when I'm high, basically. I so that the first fucking hour of this felt like it was eternal. Like it, they took yeah. like up to like when they get to Arrakis, I was like, "What the fuck are we doing? This and is so boring." Like it take it takes so much longer to get to that. In the in I the completely book. agree. This like the the story of Dune, like the first book or like whatever you want to. The first part of this story is glacially paced, and that's mm-hmm. a problem with the book. And it's a fucking horrible problem that I had with this movie too. It's like yeah, it's it's a lot more like palace intrigue kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. if you're not into that kind of story, then yeah, it, it, I can definitely. The problem is you have to like give a shit about the characters before you give a shit about the palace intrigue stuff. So we're just thrown into this world, and it's just palace intrigue stuff. Right, yeah, and you don't give a shit about any of it, yet, you don't know any no. of the characters, you don't know what any of the fucking situation is, and then they change the situation and move them to Arrakis, and then blow everything the fuck up five minutes later, so none of that palace intrigue matters. Like none of that shit that happens at the beginning of the movie really matters anymore because everybody's fucking dead, right? Yeah. So like, wow, it's not a, it's not a, it's like, a weird, it's a it weird, not a story where anybody would say the first, you know, the first thing that I am interested in in this book are the characters, kind of thing. It's no. basically almost always the world. Yeah, and, and the the depth of everything, the depth of the world making kind of thing that that people generally say that's what I love about Dune. So it's not like oh, I love Paul Atreides; he's a fucking fantastic character. He's yep. like, no, he's there, he works, but like, yeah, you never really like 
And see, that's kind of like the the reason why I think something like Dune works really well as like a comic or a novel or whatever. But when you try to translate it to something like a movie, like you've got problems then, right? Because like Mm -hmm. at that point, you've got this huge pacing problem and like people are expecting a movie to work a certain way. And this movie does not work the way movies work at all, like in terms of structure. Like we were giving... What were we just talking about? Was it Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice we were talking about? Like yeah. the move, like the structure that feels really weird. That makes this, or sorry, this makes that look like a fucking traditional three act play. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is so all over the place. And Pacing like, was unusual, I will say, but it still, I it works for me. Well, I just like for me from on the complaint side, like that's kind of a big thing. Like the first hour is glacially paced, and then it's a mile a minute, but a lot of it doesn't really matter, and then it slows down again for the last half. You know what I mean? As they kind of like wander through the desert. <laughs> now I'm just bored again. Like, I don't know what's See, I happening. Was, anymore. I was captivated in those just by the visuals. Like, yeah. See, that's some of the dialogue and stuff was the, that was going on was, was relatively dry, but like yeah. the things that they were showing us through the, the scenery and the spaces that yeah. they were in was, was what was keeping me engaged. I think. But that's where I get like split brain, right? Where I'm like, my God, this looks amazing. Holy shit, this is fucking dull. You know what I mean? Like, wow, it looks really cool. Like, that's look at that fucking sandworm. It's the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Who drew that? Like, who designed that? It's so cool. I don't give a fuck about this kid. Shut the <laughs> fuck up, Timothy Chamolet or whatever. Like, I don't fucking shammy wipe. Go away. Like, stop talking. You're boring. But like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I get, it's like, I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love it. It's just, there's so many problems with it that I'm like, <laughs> like, like I said at the top, 10 out of 10 visuals and like technically, but as soon as you start like talking about the plot, I start hacking points off, like just hacking them off because, <laughs> oh my God. All right. I'm going to burn through a couple things. Just one on adaptation. Like I said, when I was watching this, because I've been reading the book, I had a bunch of moments just having read a bunch mm-hmm. of the, the novel where I was thinking like, man, why'd they skip that? They must have more time. But it was because I thought we had more time left mm-hmm. in the movie than we did. I like there were some character and relationship building moments, especially with some of the characters that die, like with Duncan Idaho, with Dr. Kynes, with Leto kind of thing where I was that. But then when we got to the end, I was like, oh, wait, we actually didn't have time to go through that you know, to go through those relationships. That and see, that, that would have caused me to bitch more because you're, you're doing, you're giving me a bunch of stuff about characters that don't fucking matter. Cause they're dead. 50, yeah. Like essentially 15 minutes into a four hour fucking long movie. You're going to get two, three hour movies out of this. And they're around for the first hour. I don't want to see all that extra shit. Then cut it as much down as you can. Cause like they don't, they don't matter. They're dead. Yeah, like in retrospect, when I realized like, oh, no, wait, we're at the end of the movie. I was like, OK, now I understand more why they did cut what they did. Yeah. And Vienov did do a lot more of show don't tell where there were certain things that, you know, was maybe a dialogue sequence in the book where they more just like visually implied, you know, just use like a shorthand to show a relationship dynamic or a little bit of character building or a character trait or something like that through like body language or glances or a quick little physical interaction or something like that. And those are the sorts of things that you can do in a visual adaptation, right? You can do, do more of that without having to go through, you know, pretty dry fucking dialogue scene. Yep. So they also moved up a bunch of the Harkonnen scenes. Like the Harkonnens show up really early here. They don't really show yeah. up in like the first 200 pages of the book at all. Well, you need to have a fucking villain, man. It's a movie. You still they, need they to mention them, but they yeah. never, you never see those scenes with the Baron and, and his like lackeys or whatever kind of thing. You can't have a three hour movie with no bad guy. 
I know well, exactly. I know why they did it. It yeah. worked absolutely. So, like I even I would have been even more fucking furious with this movie if they never give if they hadn't given me those Harkonnen scenes because those that was probably the, my favorite part of the movie was him. You know what I mean? Like the was, old, yeah, like exactly. the arch, the overarch villain and stuff like that. Like I love. I always like the bad guys, right? And like Bernard Harkonnen's a fucking iconic bad guy. The, the, old, yeah. the reason why I even get even remotely excited for Dune stuff is like, oh, how fast Baron Harkonnen going to be this time? Like, what are we doing there? Like, how yeah. evil is he going to be? Like, he's a like a classic sci-fi like monster. So, I don't think that Villeneuve is the kind of guy to do like a director's cut or an extended edition or anything like that. But if he did, the the one scene that I would have liked to see that we missed was there's a dinner party like theme um, shortly after they arrive on Arrakis where there's just some really interesting character interplay. And there's like a ritual where all the guests are supposed to like wash their water and then the Fremen servants like take Wait, the wood wash towels, their water, sorry, wash, wash their feet with water. And then, oh, the, okay. the Fremen servants like take the wet towels and like squeeze them out and give the drippings to like basically beggars that are in front of the temple. And it just, it's a really good example of like the relationship between the ruling class and the lower class and sort of the, the servant class and everything. And it's just something that I, that I missed, but again, I understand why they cut it out, but it was just one of those scenes that I was like, I really hope they put this in and they didn't, but it would have been like a 20 minute fucking scene and putting this into a full three hour movie. And that really would have, that would have fucking brutalized the pace. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing that I have in terms of a gripe is this fucking weird seeing Jason Momoa clean shaven. Yeah, I was fucked I like up. It. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like it either. No, that that he had, he had a beard at the start when he comes yeah. back from the Fremen, but then like he shaves it off because like he's a military man, right? He's got to be all clean shaven. But, yeah, he does not look as good with no, his beard. No. no, some of us are designed to have beards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jason Momoa and me apparently are two of those people. Do you have anything else to say, or should we rate this thing and get out of here? Yeah, let's rate this thing and get out of here. The, like I bitched about everything. I'm trying to remember if I bitched about everything I wanted to bitch about. It's pacing, <laughs> uh, some of the acting is a little weird, and then yeah, because like the big problem I had with the pacing was I didn't. I, I called it out when we were talking about the plot, but like the visions go on too long and grind things. Some of them very are, much yeah, to a halt. I can see that. Some of them are a little little long in the tooth. Yeah. So like that, and like the because of the glacial pacing of the first half, as it was, and I keep saying that glacial, but it what it just felt very <laughs> slow to me. Those visions, every time they popped up in the second half of the movie, felt like they were trying to drag me back down to the pace of the first half of the movie, and it made me cringe. Like as I was watching it, so I was like, "Oh, this is this was a weird decision to make the way they did it. They could have done it a little bit more fast cutty, so that it were, I was more like given the implication of the vision as opposed to like let's." walk through this vision in detail for eight minutes and not move the plot of this movie forward at all with it. it just show you some options that may happen down the road. Look, Jason Momoa was fighting. Look, Jason Momoa was dead. Look, Jason Momoa was doing something else. <laughs> okay. Why did that take 10 minutes? Like show me that they put four cuts. Anyway, yeah. that's about it. All right. Let's rate and review Give a score it. to 10 in your final thoughts, Mark. If you are a Dune fan, this is a 10 out of 10 movie. Go see it in theaters. You'll love it. It's visually like just beautiful. It sounds amazing. Most of the acting's excellent. If you're going to get hung up on some minor plot horse shit, this is a seven. And that's what I'm giving it is a seven. Cause I got hung up on those plots. It was just, it's visually, like I said, it's technically one of the best movies I've ever seen. And then the plot just lets it down, which is just horrifying to me. 
so yeah, it I took it took a bunch of shots for bad plot, and then that the Jason Momoa performance and like that other performance that I wasn't keen on. Oh, Javier Bardem and Zendaya just doing like the fucking same shit they do in every movie. I was really annoyed by that kind of stuff. So yeah, I took a bunch of hits for that. So I'm gonna give it a seven. I mean, you know what? Generously, I'll be a benevolent god today and say a seven point five. <laughs> All right. I loved it. Suitably epic in scope. Not much more I could ask for overall in terms of an adaptation of this story that is notoriously difficult to adapt. It is really hard for me to score this with only having seen the first half of the story. But even oh, so, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think for now I'm going to give it a nine and a half out of ten. There's a couple little things in there that I wish had been done a little better, but you know they're relatively minor. If it stays this good and they really stick the landing with the second half. I think I could easily end up giving this whole thing, this whole epic, a 10 out of 10. So we'll see, see how that goes. Yeah. Warner, if you don't fucking green light the sequel, you are going to have many, many angry people. Yeah. It will be like a terrible, terrible decision. All right. So with that, we will go to our final segment, which is geek cred, where we each recommend something for you to check out that we think you might like. Mark, what's your geek cred for this week? I'm pretty sure that this week is when Hushed and Grim comes out. So it's a new Mastodon record. I haven't heard the whole thing yet, but I'm going to just recommend that on the 29th, which is when it does come out. I was right. I'm going to listen <laughs> to that because metal. I love it. Give me more Mastodon. I can always go for a Mastodon album. So there you go. All right. I'm going to recommend Dune the Novel by Frank Herbert. If it is something. That- I don't hate our viewers that much. So there's that. <laughs> It is something that I feel like if you consider yourself a science fiction fan, you should at least give it a shot once. You know, it is can be divisive. You know, some people just can't get through the the sort of dryness of it. I love it. It's one of the most interesting worlds. I would put it up there like in the same tier as as like Middle Earth and that sort of or like the Star Wars universe, those sorts of things in terms of just a visionary creator that was able to make such an amazing, deep interesting world for characters to exist in even if those characters are not super likable all the time dull as dishwater dull yeah. as dishwater so. all right so with that we will finish off this episode thank you very much for listening if uh, you have anything t- that you would like to say about anything we talked about tonight whether it's news whether it's doing the movie what you thought about it you can talk to us on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash dance podcast you can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can tweet at me directly at DRD underscore Tim. You can tweet at Mark at M underscore Ouellette. You can email us at danceforbotdancepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places that podcasts can be found. So with that, say good, good afternoon, Mark. Yeah, have a good one, guys. We're recording like <laughs> the weirdest time for us. So. Yeah. And this is Tim saying, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. All right. I'll let you have it. <laughs>